It's a new year. First full week of the show in uh, 2020. But I've been told that this is not the beginning of a new decade. 2020 isn't. It's the end of the old decade. This is what I heard the other day. That's what they're, they're, they're trying to, <laughs> to tell me. The what, depends on the meaning of is. <laughs> I think this is. I think this is like the scientists that tell us that global warming really is happening. You know, and it is because it has to, because the weather always changes. Always. That's right. Always. You know what they haven't been able to figure out? They can't figure out. They, they've they been doing some different uh, studies and they can't figure out why there were no polar ice caps at one time. Because the earth was warmer and things went okay after it, you know, <laughs> still here. Just kind of weird. It's weird stuff. You know, I think that we should make it illegal to have cats as pets. Have you heard the recent study about uh, domesticated cats? Now what? They have probably, that's not the word they used in the scientific study. It was some other like $2 word or something. But they probably are the reason that 33 different species of birds are extinct. Domestic cats. Domestic cats. So all you animal lovers out there that love birds. Get rid of your cats. We got to get rid of the cats, man. I'm just telling you, you got to get rid of the cats. Never mind natural selection and all that. Everything, of course, domesticated. Cats. Everything has pros and cons. Everything. Absolutely. Incentives and disincentives. And let me... I'm, I. There's about three or four things I want to, like, real quickly, just boom, 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 and be done with them. You probably have heard there's a lot of people on the right that have gotten their 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 panties in a wad about Netflix doing a, 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 a movie about Christ as a gay guy. Have you heard about this? Okay. And they're saying, you shouldn't show it. You shouldn't even put something like that together. You know what you sound like? You sound like the lefties who say, you shouldn't do that. We don't like it, so you can't Because we don't either. like it. I don't like it, so you can't do it. And that just really irritates This is the part that irritates me, and it's a part about free speech. Everybody's got to get in their thick skulls. It goes both ways. If you don't like it, if you don't want to look at it, don't look at it. Don't go to the art museum and view it. Don't go to the movie theater and see it. Don't turn your TV on and watch it. Don't turn your radio on and listen to it. That's your prerogative. Period. I'm sorry. Yeah, free speech will irritate you at times and it will um, tick you off at times. But that's what free speech is all about. 
I'd rather be irritated and ticked off than go to the next level. If we don't have speech, the next level is guns. Well, Sorry, violence. Yeah, but that's the only way. And that's way. where it seems to be heading these days with the lack of, you can't say what you think out there in public because they'll cancel you. But I see that, you know, I saw the articles and I thought, people just don't get it. It doesn't just cut your way. It doesn't. It goes both ways. That's why free speech is so important. Exactly. And if we start cutting off speech, the thing that I always think about is who gets to just who gets to decide. Whoever's in power. And that's whoever's in power. And I do not want the people that are currently in power telling me what I can and cannot say. So so what did we just tell you? A lack of free speech leads to what? Totalitarianism. That's right. And violence. Whichever way you go, it's totalitarianism. The, if you take the left far enough, you'll find a dictator. If you take a right the far enough, you'll Same find thing. a dictator. Same thing. That's just the way it works. It's called tyranny when the government takes over and they tell you and you have no liberty. No, I, I just got really upset with it. And I wanted to say something about it again because I mentioned it last week a little bit, but we were just, everybody was still kind of in holiday mode. Now we're all switching back to what's really going on and I got to get on with my life and find out what's happening with my nation and it's 2020 and the election is 11 months away. Think about that. It's 11 months away. 10. Yeah. Give that one. No, we're in January still, right? Yeah, but January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. It's the first part of November. It's 10 months away. Okay. 10 it's months. It's quicker than you think, people. Yeah, Iowa months. caucus is less than 30 days yeah, from now. Yeah, that happened. But very quickly. Very beginning of February. Two and a half. I think it's the very first part of February. Yeah. That's yeah. when it's going to happen. So three weeks. So my prediction of the Iowa caucus is as soon as they're over with uh, Booker, will drop out of the race. That's my first one. He'll be in till then, you think? That's the first Did you see it? Boy, I'm telling you, the media is really trying to, to to crock it up. Now they're telling us that Bloomberg is like number three. I don't buy you know, it. No, on the on the on the radar, ain't, it ain't happening. He's supposedly in front of uh, Warren now. I just I, don't buy which it. Which state? I mean, yeah. you know, because they're different in every well, state. It's a different front I can't front believe runner. for sure that it's in it's in Iowa. That just would be ridiculous. He's his whole game right now is for Super Tuesday or SEC Tuesday. I mean, if you want to look at it that way. Well, you know about the polls. They're only good for strippers and water skiers. I like so that. they're no That's good, good for politics, okay? We know this in 2016. Snow skiers, too. Snow skiers. But in 2016, I mean, you know, come on. The polls pretty much ruined everybody. Yeah, We I pretty much agree. know what they do, and I don't think they've changed a lot. So As I watch them, I can about tell you they haven't changed at all. <laughs> so, you know, same old, same old. If you're going to look at polls, you've got to find out how many people were asked. you got to find out what the, the split political the spectrum were. is of what was asked. And uh, even still, I don't know that I believe what I read. Because it's the way they answer the qu- ask the questions, you know. Elizabeth, last night, they, a lot of people watching the Golden Globes didn't know this. <laughs> you mean there were people that watched? They watched it. Yeah, people watched it. <laughs> And when uh, Gervais, is that his name? Gervais. Gervais got up on stage and, and did his monologue, they didn't realize that they had been set up in an airport. Hollywood didn't realize. <laughs> and and they got missiled last night, man. You should call us if you get that one. Yeah. 8230965, call us and tell us if you get that. Uh, 
I can't play the whole monologue because it's about eight minutes long. And it's also got dirty words. Yeah, in it. a lot of them. And a some of, some of the jokes, you got to have the dirty word for it you to get the joke. If you can't see honest. the video, it's not going to make any sense. Yeah. That's right. I watched it. I'm going to, I haven't seen it on YouTube. I need to sit down and watch it again. But, but you may not see the, I, I saw a video and the dirty, some of the dirtier, dirty words are cut out of even the video. No, that's online. good. No, so, that's not a bad thing. That's not because he, he, he used some really dirty mouth. words. He really did. So he was talking about the TV and film executives talking about, you know, what they had in common. Here's what he had to say. Baby Yoda. Uh, oh, that's, that's Joe Pesci, sorry. Um, I love you, man. Don't have me whacked. Um, but tonight isn't just about the people in front of the camera. In this room are some of the most important TV and film executives in the world. People from every background, but they all have one thing in common. They're all terrified of Ronan Farrow. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. Look, talking of all you perverts, it was a big year... Didn't hear that, did it you? was a big year for paedophile movies. Um, <laughs> surviving R. Kelly, Leaving Neverland, Two Popes. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That's really good. Then he went on with the... Uh, the if you notice, it's nervous laughter. Very in much the background. so. It is not full... If they were, if he had been making fun of conservatives, oh. they would have been rolling in the aisles. But he was going after their friends and neighbors, and that was you can really, <laughs> you can really see it on the video. The faces are very interesting and a lot of fun to watch. By the way, it's like I I went back and watched it. I I I'd have to. I should get it again and play it for you. When Don Imus did the correspondence dinner when the Clintons were in the White House. Do you remember that? I do. As soon as you said oh, that. My oh, my Lord. Gosh. He just unloaded on, just called him, basically called him a scum bu- uh, scumbag uh, a couple of times. And uh, it was. Uh, and that was way back. Yeah. Way back. That's back you in the 90s. You don't hear what you hear today. Yeah. It was, but it was, <laughs> it was pretty good. I got to give him credit. It was really good. Uh he was talking about the uh, about Epstein. Here's what he had to say about that. This is cut number four. No one goes to cinema. No one really watches network TV. Everyone's watching Netflix. This show should just be me coming out going, well done, Netflix, you win everything. Good night. But no, no, we've got to drag it out for three hours. You could binge watch the entire first season of Afterlife instead of watching this show. That, that's a show about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife dies of cancer. And it's still more fun than this, okay? <laughs> Spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way, so in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) Shut up! I know he's your friend, but I don't care. (laughs) You had to make your own way here, in your own plane, didn't you? Right, but seriously, most films are awful. Lazy. Remakes. Sequels. There you go. Now, we got one last piece I wanted to play from. I, I had... I had uh, Zach pulled this. It was on a, off of a, a Twitter account that uh, was sent to us. What did the tweet have to say, Zach? Can you can you let our listeners know what the tweet said? Well, the tweet really didn't say anything. It was just like you know, this is Ricky Gervais's um, basically one minute small rants 
on Apple and all the companies of what they support and blah, blah, blah. This was towards the end, was it not? Yeah, that's what yeah. Elizabeth had said. Yeah. Okay, it was towards the end before he said, I'll never do, basically, I'll never do this show again. He started out the whole entire monologue saying, I'm going for it. This is the last time I'm ever going to be doing this. He went for it. And then he did. Yeah. And then he got, <laughs> and, and then, of course, Prager, who used to be on 11 o'clock and then Rush took his place. And by the way, welcome back, Rush Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh. from uh, Holiday. We're so happy that your new home is here at 1011 FM, The Answer. It's great to hear you before they listen to me. It's a nice uh, lead, and that went on for a decade at another radio station. But with that said, let me uh, throw it back over to uh, Zach, and here's uh, Gervais finishing up his monologue. Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show, a superb drama, yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God. So... It's already three hours long. Right, let's do the first award. The first award. All right. Yeah. <laughs> your, your face, just let him have it. Oh, he started out. There's a movie called Bird Box, and yeah. it's about pretending to be blind. Yes. And so he says something about, you know, hey, you guys made this film, Bird Box, about being blind and not seeing anything around you. Kind of like when you're working for Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> huh? And everyone just kind of looks at each other with nervous looks. It was funny. That well, was early on. That was one of the great. first ones. See, that to be honest with you, that was comedy back in the 70s and 80s that he did. You can't do it anymore. Uh, he did it. Now, I'm going to be honest. He did it, but he'll never be invited back again. You know, that's the way comedy used to be. It made you feel uncomfortable sometimes because sometimes you speak truth to power. Oh, Don Rickles. Uh, Rickles. one of the strongest ones there. Let's think about, uh, you know, Pryor. I mean, oh, yeah. Pryor's a perfect example of it, too. Uh, who's the guy, young guy now? He's been around for a while. Used to be, uh, used to have an hour show or a half-hour show on HBO. I'm trying to think of his name right now. You're talking about Loftus? Nah, nah black guy. Uh, are, you, are you talking, you're not talking about Dave Chappelle now? Nah, no, 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 no. Chappelle's still as relevant now as he had been. Yeah. This guy doesn't do much anymore. Mm. He's kind of more in movies and stuff. I don't know if he's done a special in a long time. My favorite line about from him was, you know, being a father of a daughter is you feel you've succeeded if you've kept her off the pole. Oh. <laughs> All right. And, and that, <laughs> what's his name? Come on. I know on. who you're talking Zach, about because you know, I've heard I'm the a line. Young guy. Young guy. He's not remember. really... He's done a few movies, nothing important, so to speak, but but he's known for his specials. He used to be on, oh, whose show was he on all the time? He'd show up. One of his favorite, my favorite uh, segments he did was the uh, 
the black guy would always come up. He was the angriest black man in America. And he, he came on and was talking about how New York City was so racist. And he says, look, I couldn't get I couldn't get a table at any restaurant in New York City. And he was walking around butt naked into these rest, <laughs> all the restaurants. And they were all throwing him out. See, see what they do to the black man? It was hilarious. I'm not talking about Chris Rock. It was, yes, Chris Rock. That's exactly oh what I'm gosh, saying about Chris Rock. Oh, my gosh, did he do that? Yeah. Oh, no. The angriest, <laughs> the angriest black man in America. That was just hilarious. Oh, my gosh. He's a funny guy, too. He did a lot of a lot of social commentary that made a lot of people uncomfortable. I mean, I know a lot of uh, of women got really uptight because he was talking about before the Me Too movement. And he couldn't done this joke uh, after the Me Too movement when he said that uh, they all talked about uh, how terrible, you know, black men were and, and all this other stuff and how they should stop, stop doing that and then go out on dates and dance the songs sung by rappers who would say, you know, oh, yeah. all kinds all of things na- nasty things they wanted to do to black women, mm-hmm. you know, and so you don't find out, you know, anything wrong with that. But a lot of comedians, I've I've listened to several interviews with Chappelle and others that will not go back on college campuses now. Billy Crystal's Billy Crystal. Let me say that name. Billy Crystal. Won't even go on a college campus now. Because nobody laughs. Well, they don't laugh. They they all get offended. Everybody gets offended. They get offended. And everybody gets in trouble. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. All right. A break. We'll come back and get into uh, uh, Soleimani and and all the other stuff that's going on uh, in in ROC. She's got rocks in her head. And we'll, we'll talk about her and hear what Lindsey Graham had to say about her and a lot of other things here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. You know, when I, I sometimes I, I guess I have these visions or hallucinations where I actually think that perhaps Democrats still love their country. And then they start talking and then I know they don't. They seem to be bent on proving just the opposite. Well, yeah, I agree. That's what just basically what I'm I'm saying here. I these people do not. I believe. Now, when I say Democrats, I'm not talking about the average Joe out there. I'm talking about Leadership. the people that are sitting in the in the seats of power or wanting to sit in the seats of power. Uh, I'm talking about people like you know Warren and, and somebody. Like, for Pelosi, instance, Schiff. Let, let's let's jump on play cut seven with Elizabeth Warren for me. We don't have that. Oh, we don't have. Oh, yeah, we got. I got news coming up. Uh, so when, when we, we come, come back, back. <laughs> when we come back, I will play Elizabeth Warren, who basically said that uh, all Trump is doing is, if I say wag the dog, maybe you know what I'm saying. Maybe you don't. You got to go back to the movie to understand probably what I'm talking about. Some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I'll talk about what AOC had to say about how he, how Trump is a monster, uh, you know, and, and I'll talk about who was it that said that he, oh, it was Colin uh, Kaepernick no. that said that uh, America proved, after we killed one of the world's worst terrorists, this guy, in all honesty, probably worse than bin Laden, okay? After we smoked him, and by the way, somebody said 
Uh, got great news for you, Dave. Uh, Solomay finally quit, gave up smoking. Uh, <laughs> I, had to, <laughs> I had to laugh at it. But anyway, that, that was from Lars. Lars sent me that over the weekend. I thought it was a pretty good joke. We'll come back and we'll talk about some of this. I mean, the Democrats, if, if we had killed bin Laden, they still would have found something wrong with it because it was somebody else. Okay, so the left, as I said, sometimes I have dreams at night. More like, I guess, halluc- fever dreams. I think, yeah. yeah, the hallucinations that I think that the people in power on the left. And I, I'll say it that way so that it doesn't sound like I'm using a very broad brush talking about anybody who identifies with the Democratic Party. But the ones in power and uh, that they still love their country and and not just wanting more power. That, that's not the case because every day I wake up and I hear stuff like this from uh, Elizabeth Warren. You're much seven. closer to the edge of war. The question is why now? Uh, why not a month ago? Why not a month from now? And the administration simply can't keep its story straight. It points in all different directions. The last time we saw this was this past summer over Ukraine, when people started asking questions about what had happened on the phone call between Donald Trump and the president of Ukraine and why aid to Ukraine had been stopped. The administration did the same thing. They point in all different directions and give a whole lot of different answers. And of course, what it turned out to be is that Donald Trump was doing what Donald Trump does. And that is, he was advancing his own personal political interests. And I think the question people reasonably ask, I think the question people reasonably ask is next week Donald Trump faces the start potentially of an impeachment trial. And you think he's uh, why scared of now? I think people are starting to ask why now did he do this? Why not delay? And why this one is so dangerous is that he is truly taking us right to the edge of war. And that is something that that puts us at risk. It puts the Middle East at risk. It puts the entire world at risk. Look, you brought up the impeachment trial. Uh, you're right. I mean, there's two weeks ago, if you'd asked me what, what would this show have been about, I would have assumed we would be previewing the start of this trial that might have been starting tomorrow or Tuesday. It is not now. Um, it sounds like you believe you want to investigate and find out if this is a motivation. Well, I think that people are asking, why this moment? Answer you know, the as question. As I said, the administration can't keep its story straight. And in the case of Ukraine, it was all about protecting Donald Trump's skin. We know that Donald Trump was very upset about this upcoming impeachment trial. But look what he's doing now. He is taking us to the edge of war. We've been at war for 20 years in the Middle East. And now he's talking about expanding that war. This has been something that has cost thousands of American lives. It has cost us enormously in many ways, both at home and around the world. And at the same time, look what it's done to the Middle East. Millions of people who've been killed, who've been injured, who've been displaced. The job of the president is to keep us safer. Let the me, job of the president is not to move us to the edge of Let me turn to the campaign. Um, All right. So, I mean, that's holy cow. There is so much to, de- to, to deconstruct to here. from that. All right. To start off with, why now? Why not now? 
Why not when Obama was a president? Why not when Bush, the, the younger, was president? Why not then? They knew this guy was dangerous then. They didn't have to wait until now. And everybody says, well, now they're really mad. They've been mad since the Shaw was disposed in the 70s. What is wrong with you people? Do you know nothing about history? Do you know nothing that Iran is behind Hezbollah and Hamas, who has been, you know, one of the biggest uh, terrorist organizations ever? Iran's been shouting death to America since at least 1979. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about those demonstrations you see. Those demonstrations are not like grassroots demonstrations that the people get up one morning and they go, Oh, they killed one of our one of the guys that just killed fifteen hundred of fifteen hundred of our people over the weekend. Let's get out and and scream and about how we wanted streets. him still to be alive. Uh, no, that's not what happens. They are told, they are told to go out and to demonstrate. And if you don't happen to show up, or, you know somebody doesn't see you there or whatever, you disappear. That's the kind of stuff that happens over there. And that's the kind of th- stuff we're fighting against to not have happen here. They said, see, they didn't talk about it. Left media didn't talk about it. I, I had to find it by going on, of all places, Al Jazeera. They did the story about parts of Iran where they were having parties that this guy was dead. If you're on Twitter, you saw that over the weekend. I saw a lot of video coming straight out of Iran showing this is what's really happening you won't see this on the yeah news. i mean seriously seriously many are the the country of iran is not aligned up behind the ayatollahs it's just not and you hopefully you're smart enough to know that i would think you are maybe i'm maybe i give you more credit than you're due but i believe that most people understand that the heads of Iranian government are very, very dangerous to world peace. It's called totalitarianism. It means that the government controls everything. And we've known this. These are the same people that argue now about Trump were the same ones that complained about George W., I think it was. He he missed the signs of 9-11 and our country got attacked and it's all his fault. Yeah, and they didn't mention, you know, Clinton. Clinton had the shot at getting, uh, you know, uh, uh, Osama. Oh, yeah, way back. But went out and teed up. Yep. Well, you don't want to upset those people because you might make them mad and they might come after us, Dave. Like they're not already after us? Come on, folks. They've been saying death to America since at least the late 70s that I know of. All right. Point two. All right. Warren says he did this. He wagged the dog, in other words. Get your get your mind off of what's going on and uh, put your mind on something else <laughs> yeah, because right. he's scared of the impeachment trial. This is the president who says he wants the trial. This is the president who's paying attention to what the Republican Party has been saying all along. Okay, go through the impeachment. He gets to the Senate. It's dead in the water. It's DOA. It's dead on arrival. Lindsey Graham's been saying this for for months now. Well, he said it again yesterday, too. <laughs> Did he say it again? Did he, he was, repeat He himself? was talking with Maria Bartiromo yesterday. Lindsey Graham says, we're going to change the rules in the Senate. I'm going to bring it forward this week. If I don't hear about those 
articles coming over from Pelosi. We're going to change the rules. We're going to get this over with before the State of the Union in early February. Cut two. Here we go. The rules of impeachment call for the House to send over the articles so that the Senate can be the judge and the jury. And right. you can't do that until you get the articles. So how are you going to have this a Senate exactly trial right. and get this over with by the end of January when you don't even have the articles? Well, we're not going to let Nancy Pelosi use the rules of the Senate to her advantage. This is dangerous for the presidency as an institution. They've impeached the president, but the Speaker of the House is holding the articles back, trying to extort from the majority leader of the Senate a trial to her liking. They're trying to hold these articles over the head of the president. I think the reason they're not sending them is because they're so weak and it's a pathetic case and they're looking to add something. So the sooner this trial is over, the better for the American people. And so what I would do if she continues to refuse to send the articles as required by the Constitution. I would work with Senator McConnell to change the rules of the Senate so we could start the trial without her if necessary. How soon will you move to change the rules of the Senate? Uh, days, not weeks. What she's doing is bad for the country. It's bad for the Senate. It keeps us from getting on with the, uh, the business of the American people. It denies the president his day in court. The founders never envisioned you'd have a speaker do something like this, withhold the articles demanding the Senate bend to her will. It's not going to happen. So I hope she sends them over soon so we can get on with the trial. If she does not, I would urge Senator McConnell with my colleagues to change the rules of the Senate so that we could proceed with proceed to the trial without Nancy Pelosi uh, being involved. So are you expecting then that you'll give it a few days to see if she sends the articles over? If she doesn't, you'll move to change the rules. Will you file a motion to dismiss this altogether? Well, you got to start the trial before you can file any motion. So my goal is to start this trial uh, in the next coming days not let Nancy Pelosi take over the Senate. My number one goal is not let the Speaker of the House become the majority leader of the Senate. Senator McConnell has done a great job as a majority leader. I'll be confirming judges this week. But if we don't get the articles this week, then we need to take matters in our own hands and change the rules, deem them to be delivered to the Senate so we can start the trial, invite the House over to participate if they would like. If they don't come, dismiss the case and get on with governing the country. If you don't like President Trump, uh, 10 months from now, you'll have an election. You can kick him out. This is an abuse of power. This is constitutional extortion. Uh, what she's doing is very bad for the presidency. It's very, very bad for the Senate as an institution, and it cannot stand. There you go. All right. So sounds to me like uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator Graham, has his cause, his cross filled. That's what it sounds like to me. He's hit, he has said a lot. I'm not sure that I've seen a lot of action from Mr. Graham. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. It, Wait and watch. He's waiting for the impeachment trial so that he can bring back Giuliani. You know that, right? I hope so. That's what he said. I mean, I hope so. And that's what Giuliani said. So there's yeah. there's some kind something going on. You think on they'll there. have Giuliani testify about Ukraine? I think he's going. We're going to hear a lot about Ukraine yet. And that would that would be why Lindsey Graham is pushing so hard to have an impeachment trial rather than just what I call cut it off at the knees. Yeah. Yeah. He's wanting to get it, get it going and get it done. All right. So but the Democrats are just going off the rockers. I mean, seriously, off the rockers. You 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 told me we we have a meeting before we go on the air. Typically, Elizabeth and I do. And she tells me anything new that's come up that 
perhaps I haven't heard about because right now for, you know, I get up at uh, about 645 and I'm at the doctor's office at eight o'clock and seeing the doc and then going into the the hyperbaric chamber uh, that they have for me for a couple of hours. So I'm kind of out of everything. Got to turn my phone off and everything. So I, I can't keep up with nothing. And so when I get here, uh, she brings me up to date of what has happened in the last four or five hours. And you said, my favorite guy, Adam Schiff, is at it again. Heard it on the news today that Mr. Schiff is going to ask for public hearings because of what Trump's done with Soleimani without our permission. It's the War Powers Act. Don't need his permission. We don't it wasn't need. Uh, an act of war. That's right. And it was an imminent situation. Of Absolutely. Course, you know, we're right back where we were before. If you, if you don't believe that, I hope that you're friends with me on the Dave Ellswick show and you saw the story I had uh, Elizabeth put on uh, my Facebook page about what our intelligence had told us. Now, if about you're Soleimani. On, yeah, if you're on the left, you've been telling us all along that the intelligence people were all right about what Trump was and, and whatever. You can't have it both ways. You can't say when they're talking about Trump, they're right. And when they talk about Soleimani, that they're wrong. They they laid it out. They had him dead to rights with uh, phone conversations and all kinds of stuff of what he intended to do. He was going to kill Americans, period. The thing that got my got gave me cold chills down my back was the detail I heard kind of early on, and I it slipped by me, and then I heard it again today. Uh, they have intelligence that says Soleimani was being um, recalled, if you will. The mullahs had said, "No, you come talk to us before the next step." Well, stop and think about this. This guy was number one in their country. This was his job. He didn't have to have the mullah's He's permission. one step under Khomeini. So if this was something they were asking him to come talk to them about, it was a really, it was big. really, really big deal. Yeah, it was a and big deal. And it's scary. Yeah, it's in that article, I think, where it makes mention that Soleimani thought he was untouchable. He did. Well, I mean, let's face it. We taught him that he was with Obama and the red line. And if you believe the stories that say that we've known for many years about his travels all over the East, Middle East at will, but yet we never did anything about it. I mean, what was the guy supposed to think that he is untouchable, right? Except he forgot to remember that we have a different president now. Well, yeah. And that the guy that they got along with him was the guy that had been standing in the Oval Office just a few years ago. Well, that's Duh. another scary thing. Yes, Duh. Obama had that fella in his office. That's right. Yeah. Duh. Don't make me go there, Dave. I'm just saying. Don't make me go there. I'm not there. saying there was any kind of give and take there, but I'm I'm just saying. Why else would our Why former president have him in there? Why else did our former president bow down to these people when he was overseas? Don't make me get started I just on want you. That. I just want you to think about this, all right? Go, yes. go read that article, please. And it's not from some weird but news place all right that uh i don't know what's his idiot's name that's out there with prison planet or something (laughs) it's it's a legitimate source all right a legitimate source all right a break and then we'll come back we'll continue talking about this because the left uh i'm i'm going to get to the point the left hierarchy all right, the people that are running for president, the people that are in charge of the, 
the House, the Senate. I, I don't believe they love this country anymore. They want power so badly that they'll do anything to get it back again. A break and then more for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so AOC, you know, the lady who's, you know, definitely more times than not puts her mouth in motion before her her mind is engaged. You know, that's what my dad, my dad always, that was one of his favorite sayings is engage your mind before you move your mouth. Um, and then the other one, and one that he used a lot was, you know, best that you uh, think, keep your thoughts to yourself and let people think you're stupid instead of speaking and proving it. Uh, he, that was his favorite when I'd say some stuff that he didn't agree with. So anyway, uh, so AOC, basically, she called Trump a monster for killing Soleimani. And uh, because he said, okay, so the, the the big wigs over there in Iran now say that they're going to attack us. Well, if they attack us, I got like 52 targets that we already know that we're going to go after. And she called him a war criminal. Tells you where her sympathies are. Yeah. I mean, like you, we needed right? to find out. That's what she had to say. So let me give you a, another cut from Senator Lindsey Graham. This is much shorter than the last one. This is cut number five. Here's what the senator had to say about her. Uh, these troops are in the field at the direction of the commander-in-chief with the support of the Congress. You do not need con congressional authorization to defend troops in the field in harm's way. AOC doesn't know anything about the law of armed conflict, obviously. Every commander-in-chief has the right to defend our people on the battlefield. It was clear to me that this was a defensive strike, that Mr. Soleimani was planning additional attacks against American interest. In AOC's world, I guess we're supposed to sit back and watch a bunch of Americans get killed. We're not the bad guys. The Iranians are the bad guys. And if you don't see that, you've missed a lot in the last 40 years. Thank you very much, yeah. Senator Graham. Yeah, 40 years. He's going back to when the Shah was disposed to both disposed uh, in uh, Iran and the uh, Ayatollahs took over. I mean, the same Ayatollah came back. It's not the same Ayatollah who's there now guy that's just like a title isn't it ayatollah i'm not sure how that works i mean it's like being called pope or something i don't know i don't know and not equating the two okay? you should ask colonel conrad he would know he'll be here he's going to be here at four o'clock and we're going to spend an hour with colonel conrad reynolds and we're going to and and, and robert first hand and we're going to talk about iran Firsthand and very good experience. Yes, he's he's been in the been, there. been in the sandbox a lot. Has the okay. T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, got got several of them, so to speak. Got several of them. He does. Uh, there's a lot of and, and this this whole thing about you know I think Trump did this to take people's minds off the impeachment trial. Uh, even Pete Buttigieg got into this as well. Check out, uh, hey, Zach, do me a favor. Play cut eight for me, would you? After the strike, you called uh, Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian general who was killed, you called him a threat to the safety and security of the United States. So are you saying that President Trump deserves some credit for the strike? No, not until we know whether this was a good decision and how this decision was made. And the president has failed to demonstrate that. The secretary of, your, uh, of state just now 
when asked whether this strike prevented directly an attack. He did not prove, he did not demonstrate, he did not even claim that the answer was yes. Now let's be clear, Qasem Soleimani was a bad figure. Uh, he has American right blood. We'll play this. I'll play more because I get so pissed off when I listen to these guys yeah. try to have it both ways. Well, well, listen, this guy was a, really a despicable, terrible, absolutely ridiculous, murdering bastard. And we should have left him continue to run around, kill people. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The president, the president's worse. That's, <laughs> that's kind of the way they look at it. So uh, we'll come back and hear what uh, Buttigieg had to say in the end of that statement. Because he's saying that Trump doesn't deserve credit until it's been until he can prove. Just sit down and shut your pie hole. I mean, seriously. I wish he'd just sit down and shut. Again, my father would tell him, "Hey, before you prove people you're stupid, you know, just keep those thoughts to yourself." He's proven himself to be immensely stupid. I guess, or he's just talking to people on the left that hate Trump so bad. They'll believe anything that you say bad about President Trump. Let's take a break. Elizabeth and I return after the news, which is next. that again since maybe some of you didn't hear me uh, offer uh, that uh, welcome to you last week because you were still celebrating basically party yeah but bottom line is happy new year this is the first full week of uh, the Dave Ellswick show for 2020 Uh, if you didn't know uh, we welcome Rush back from vacation as well Uh, he was off uh, all last week and if you didn't know uh, Rush is now part of uh, 101.1 FM. Uh, this is his new home. It's on our station. Same hours, 11 to 2, Monday through Friday. And uh, just feels right because for 10 years, this is the way it always was. Uh, Rush's show and then my show. So this feels just like normal for me, to be honest, to hear Rush's voice uh, going before I come on as well. So it's great, solid, I believe, eight hours of great conservative talk now. Can't beat that Monday through Friday. And, you know, Rush is going to give you his take on the views of uh, the the country and things of that nature and, 
and keep up on all that is happening nationally and internationally. I will do uh, some of that, but I'm also going to spend a lot of time talking to you about what's happening in your state, keeping you up to date on that. I'm still waiting on a couple of answers that I hadn't gotten. I told you that we try to find out uh, and get the uh, pro tem from our Senate on and get the Speaker of the House from our House on here in Arkansas to tell us when they found out that the governor was going to leave uh, refugees into Arkansas and why uh, all the members of their caucuses were not notified. And typically, uh, that means they notified the Democrats uh, as well. So amazing to me that Have they, just not they evidently you didn't take care of that. Have they just not returned your call yet? I haven't heard from them yet. I haven't called them. I, I emailed them, but I haven't gotten yeah. anything back. I'll give it, going to give another try this evening and see what happens. You know, there are 17, at least, GOP governors across the country that have okayed the refugees for their states now. Yes. Yeah. So I understand that. It's not just Mr. Not just us, Arkansas. Yeah, Although you know, I'm not, not sure the how the rest one. of them found out. I'm sure it wasn't on December 23rd with no advance notice. Well, and Maybe that's the other thing we're kind of looking at is looking at the timeline. No, he, uh, the governor, I think in his interview, it's pretty evident that he understood what was going on because he says when the president sent, you know, the the change, the, the, the executive order. Well, that was sent out a in lot September. earlier. Yeah, as far as that. And uh, I don't know if you heard me talking about this. I didn't get it in the interview. I wish I had. But I asked uh, Governor Hutchinson if he had had any direct imp- uh, uh, Im, uh, you know, input to the president about uh, the refugee. Uh, was he president, part of the decision-making and on he, that? Yeah, and he yeah. was. He he had some direct talks with the president about it. So, so he... he he was doing his due diligence. I'll give him credit. We might, all of us not, not like what he has done. Uh, but I'm, I'm from what I can tell that the rest of, uh, the rest of the, uh, house and the Senate did not know, uh, what was going on was not his fault, but was the fault of the people in their party that was supposed to let them know. He says he told him. He told him. Yeah, that's yep. what he says. He said, I did what I always do. Uh, I called the, the pro tem and I called the Speaker of the House. And then they're supposed to do what they want to do as far as who they want to tell in their particular uh, group. So they may have told a few people. That might be interesting to find out. I mean, why wouldn't you tell everybody? That's a good question. Well, especially, I'm sorry, he is very well aware that this is an extremely touchy topic. Well, too. And if I, were, if I were a Republican governor, I'd want to be sure I was out there explaining to people why I did this and why it's not about illegals. And, it's and not, why it's not about Syrians. Exactly. Exactly. But he didn't choose to do that. So I find that unusual. Yeah. Well, I found it unusual, too. Of course, if you listen to to Representative Lowry on my show or Senator Johnson, uh, uh, Representative Lowry uh, said that the, he does believe that the reason it was put out on the 23rd is to give it a, a real good feel good 
you know, the day before Christmas Eve. Look, we're going to help these refugees. I'm sorry, it kind of works the other you know way what I'm around. Saying? I know, it was I understand, but I'm, I'm saying what he wanted, bad. what he wanted, how he wanted this to play, the PR side of it. He's been listening to the other side that's talking to him way too much. But no, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, be honest with you, Johnson, uh, Senator Johnson talked about that for about 20 minutes with me and then the rest of his hour and a portion of the next hour he wanted to talk more about the hate crime legislation yep that too that's a problem which has a major impact on everybody in the state so that was pretty interesting hearing from him but i'll call senator hendren and uh, i will i will email them email senator hendren and i will email Representative um, Matthews, I think it is. Matthew Shepard. Matthew Shepard, that's Shepherd, right. Speaker there of the House. Thank you. For whatever uh, it's to worth, too, we have on your Facebook page, Dave Ellswick Show Facebook page is the most current that I know of um, communication from the governor's office. We were given a little handout last week. It came to the lawmakers. Uh, this came through over on 2nd of, of January. It's a little different from the handout before. It's got quite a bit of factual information coming from the governor's office. It's on your Facebook page, all about the what, why, when, and where kind of thing. On yeah, this add the program. two of them together, and you got pretty, pretty, pretty close to the full story. Again, we're going to find out those same facts probably on January 13th at the hearing. I'm not sure that there'll be a whole lot more that anyone's going to learn about much of anything. I guess my thought on that is it's a done deal. It's in place. It's done. We're not going to be able to change it. From everything I've read, all these other uh, 17 other states have Republican governors. There are some states that are in the situation we're in. They're very unhappy, but I haven't seen where anyone has been able to do really anything to stop it. The executive order does not require the governor or the executive officer of your of your geographical area, your mayor or your county judge, to consult with the lawmaking portion of our government. Or That's with in the citizenry. Or with the citizenry. And that's the part that I kind of really, really wonder about. I wonder if that was intended to be used against us the way this is being used against us or not. All right. I have been playing a little bit of Pete Buttigieg uh, for us before we went to break. And he was saying that uh, Trump doesn't deserve credit for the killing of Soleimani until we know it was a good decision. And who gets to decide? I've already decided. I think it's an awesome decision. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I I did see a meme, and I agreed with it. It said, we've got the the picture in moments of Suleimani's hand. So you can see his Oh, the ring. I saw that. All right. In moments on Twitter, but we still haven't seen the video of Epstein's cell when he supposedly killed himself. There you go. That's pretty good, huh? I mean, that That's makes sense. One. It makes a whole lot of sense. All right, so Buttigieg is talking about this. Uh, think about this for a moment. Can you imagine if every president who came up with any kind of decision that it would always be a no call until you found out did it work exactly the way it was supposed to work, or did it work out exactly the way that my party wanted it to work well, see, out? See, that's what they meant. We haven't had a chance to do a poll yet, so we can't tell you what we think because we hadn't found out what the poll says to say. So let me let you listen to Pete Buttigieg, 
And uh, everybody's talking about, well, look how well he's doing in the polls. He's not going to be the nominee. Seven percent. Listen, Woo-woo. he might be. He could possibly be. But I even think this is a stretch, a vice presidential nominee. But I, I, I can't believe that he'll be the nominee for the Democratic Party. But here's a Buttigieg for you right now. After the strike, you called uh, Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian general who was killed, you called him a threat to the safety and security of the United States. So are you saying that President Trump deserves some credit for the strike? No, not until we know whether this was a good decision and how this decision was made. And the president has failed to demonstrate that. The secretary of of state just now, uh, when asked whether this strike prevented directly an attack, he did not prove, he did not demonstrate, he did not even claim that the answer was yes. Now, let's be clear. Qasem Soleimani was a bad figure. Uh, He has American blood on his hands. None of us should shed a tear for his death. But just because he deserved it doesn't mean it was the right strategic move. This is about consequences. This is one of the most volatile places in the world, and we need answers on how this decision was reached, whether there was an alternative, and whether the president has thought through the consequences, in particular for American lives, not just the troops who are on planes going to the Middle East right now, but U.S. citizens around the world whose lives may be at risk because of the fallout from this action. Until we get answers on that, then this move is questionable, to say the least. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs has said uh, that there was compelling intelligence of a significant campaign of violence that was going to be leveled against Americans within days, weeks, or months. If you were commander-in-chief and had a chairman of the Joint Chiefs who, who was bringing you information like that, do you think you would have ordered the strike? I would never hesitate to use force if it was necessary in order to protect American lives. The question is, was it necessary and was it better than the alternative? It is not hard to believe that General Soleimani was in the middle of a campaign of violence. He was a walking campaign of violence. But when you're dealing with the Middle East, you need to think about the next and the next and the next move. This is not checkers. And I'm not sure any of us really believe that this president and the people around him, especially given that he hasn't even filled some of the key national security posts, is really going through all of the consequences of what could happen next. Even as we speak, it looks like there has been a suspension of anti-ISIS activities in Iraq just to deal with the fallout here. We need answers on whether this is part of a meaningful strategy, what choices were offered to the president, and why he believed this was the best choice when... We really haven't seen the indication that it even served to prevent whatever attack they're talking about. Remember, this was not a battlefield maneuver. We're talking about a senior official. In what way did taking him out prevent an attack, and was it better than the alternative? Let's just have seen that. We have to talk about this. (laughs) First of all, Buttigieg, just like everybody else who's running for the office of presidency, has no idea really what's going on anywhere in the world until you're elected president, you're sitting in the Oval Office, and they come and give you the threat uh, assessment for that day in the world. I mean, they sit down every day, and they give the president a briefing about what's going on. And, And I've said this a million times. 
until you're sitting there and you're the person that's got to make the call you don't know. and they've given you all this information, you don't know what's going on. There are things the president knows that nobody else knows. That's exactly right. That's right. So Many I, things. <laughs> I, for the, for the most part, have you know no, uh, no doubt uh, that I wouldn't want to be in that position, to be honest with you. And uh, that they didn't kill this guy before. You know, the big decision, it seems to me, for all of this was all these presidents knew this guy is a murdering bastard, all right? They knew he was killing people. He, They knew he was planning things. And for Buttigieg to say this is not a battlefield decision, that's bull. That's pure bull. Soleimani was was co- having things done on the battlefield every frickin' day. This is the guy that brought IEDs to the Iranian... Uh, Iraqi battlefield and was killing Americans. The man that was killed with him was head of the Iraqi militia. Yes. Okay. And they're not, they 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 don't play around. They're on the battlefield. That's what the militia does. So the president knew what this guy had done, knew evidently what he was planning, and that some of this was imminent that was coming up. And he decided it was time to kill him and be done with him. And sweep him into the garbage heap of, of history, and be and be done with having to worry about him. Well, again, Trump held back numerous times when they shot down our missiles. They did this, they did that. He held back. He held back until they, knew, they killed people. Well, and they knew Soleimani was behind quite a bit of this, apparently. And I think he just, you know, sort of had his fill. And I, I really resent, and I'm very offended by the idea that. Trump is running off, you know, at the at the drop of a hat, not knowing what he's doing. I mean, really? And so actually what they're also saying is not only is our president not knowing it at all what he's doing, but half of our country doesn't know what we're doing because we voted for the man. I am very offended by that. It is disrespectful. I mean, I understand that they don't look at the world the way I do. I understand that they're not American. They don't believe in American exceptionalism. They don't believe in the rule of law. They don't believe in the rules of the House and Senate. They're going to do it their way. But I really resent them painting half the country as idiots because that's what I think they are. All right. So let's talk a little (laughs) bit more about people that are politicians but are uh, icons that the general populace of this country have given – a whole lot more um, credence to than they deserve. Street cred, so to speak. For instance, like Colin uh, Kaepernick, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to do it like Jan Morgan did, and I'm going to buy one of his jerseys. I know you can still get them. And I'm going to put it in front of the door uh, of my studio so people can wipe their feet on it. Uh, before they come into the studio. Because when I hear this guy say what, what, you know, taking the knee was one thing, but what he said over the weekend is taking it to a completely different level. Yes, level. And I'm going to have Elizabeth read the tweet. She pulled them up. She's going to read them for us here in uh, in just a second here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. And then we're going to hear from uh, uh, a politician Rashida Tlaib, but we're going to play her as well and something she said to some anti-war protesters. And it's like the idiots over the weekend. They were down uh, 
on President Clinton Boulevard down there in uh, uh, in the party zone. Down there on Kavanaugh yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. Having, yeah, and on Kavanaugh holding their signs, no war no in Iran. In Iran, you know, sometimes one guy said, "You know, we don't want to go to war with Iran, dude." I don't either. They've been in at war with us since they took over for the Shah. I don't understand. Did they just? Did they just think we ought to roll over and let them rub our bellies and we I just kind of go on? No I mean, idea. what's the deal? You're I not supposed know. to protect yourself. You're Maybe not supposed I'll have to defend your homeland. I might just let them come on because I'll, I'll live by my old adage. If I give them enough rope, they'll hang themselves right here live on the air for you. I might invite them to come on I'd and tell me hear. why they think that we should leave Iran alone. Because they believe what Colin Kaepernick believes. And let them blow up. Uh, let them cause the whole Middle East to blow up for sure. You know, I, I believe what the president said. We didn't try to start a war. We tried to, to deter. So, so we have people trying to kill us. We know they're trying to kill us. They tell us this. They've been telling us for 40 they years. They have been. So we don't want to do anything because we might upset them and they might try to come kill us. And they have really? been killing us. Really? That's the key. They've yeah, but, been yeah, killing people. They're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. That's what they do. They're terrorists. And we're just supposed to roll over and not upset them because they're going to come kill us? All right. I've been told I have to take a break before I play this stuff. So... Uh, you hold on. We're going to get on to that here as we come back from the break. Uh, right now, I do want to remind you that Rush, his new home is right here at 1011 FM, The Answer. He is on uh, right before my show daily now, Monday through Friday, 11 to 2, on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. Promise now. Let's start off with Colin Kaepernick. What did he say on his uh, Twitter feeds, because we're down to about a minute and a half here. Let's go ahead and read his tweets from the weekend. He started out on the 4th of January. There is nothing new about American terrorist attacks against black and brown people for the expansion of American imperialism. Then, same spoken, day. Spoken like somebody wants to put his foot in his mouth. <laughs> well, then he starts chewing on it. America has always sanctioned and besieged black and brown bodies, both at home and abroad. American militarism is the weapon wielded by American imperialism to enforce its policing and plundering of the non-white world. Mm. The plundering of the non-white world. (laughs) I just, if he's that concerned about the plundering of the non-white world, I just kind of want to know where he's been all these years until he was not allowed to play football. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he became a big spokesperson. But this has been such a burning issue for him for so long that we know all about him until then. (laughs) Really? It's really bizarre. Okay, so we're coming up on news. When we come back, I'll play play, uh, Tlaib and something she was caught saying to anti-war protesters when we come back. Of course, you know she's about as anti-Semitic as they come, as well as she loves radical Muslims. We'll talk about it. Wow. It's already 25 minutes till 4. We only got about 22 minutes left with Elizabeth today. She'd be on her way at 4 o'clock, and Robert Steinbach and uh, Colonel uh, Reynolds will be coming in. Conrad Reynolds will be coming in here to sit down and talk to us. Yeah, some serious Serious. stuff. If you want to know about Iran, stick around. We're going to talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, I did want to talk about Rashida Tlaib 
and she was out in front of some anti-war protesters. She'd felt really good uh, here up in the, uh, what is that uh, area up, uh, Kavanaugh? What, what, where were they at? Uh, the Heights. The Heights, yep. She felt right in with all those people over the weekend holding their, uh, you know, no war with Iran. Down, down by the Clinton Library, maybe? Yeah, they're doing some of that down in the... Uh, you know, where they can carry their drinks around. I didn't see anybody with any drinks, so I'll be honest. They looked like they were sober, which really worries me that they were saying what they were <laughs> It'd saying. It'd be easier and, if and they had, weren't. <laughs> and they weren't drinking. Anyway, here's what Tlaib said to a bunch of anti-war protesters. you got to kind of listen to this closely, but check it out. I'm just a humanist, and I love that about you. You're not even choosing one of the party. You're choosing the right thing. You're a humanist. You're, like my son says, this is about peopleism. tell you what she said there the the important part was thank you for making me feel sane mm-hmm. and there are more of us than there are of you i promise she said that at the end another broken promise yeah <laughs> and just listen listen to her talk it just it just kind of cramps me up i i don't know what to think all right kevin mccarthy minority leader in the house he had something to say about the the light up of uh, of uh, Soleimani uh, over uh, last Friday. Here's what he had to say. Cut 14. Congressman, thanks for being here tonight. What's your reaction? Well, my reaction is the president just made the world a little safer because this individual has killed more than 600 Americans, shot down a U.S. drone, bombed two tankers, and then also went after uh, Saudi Arabia's refinery. And let's not forget why we reacted. They went after our embassy. And the president had warned, if you kill an American, we will react. Right. He held back, just as you said in your opening statement, when the drone went down. But when a U.S. American was killed, and when this individual, Soleimani, was planning to do more, where he was coming from, he, this president acted so we could be safer. Well, you know, it's interesting that, that there's an article that basically said that he is quoted as saying not that long ago, it's time to take out our swords. Uh, and uh, he obviously the mastermind for so many uh, of the other proxies and, and the attacks around the world. But 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 my question, I want to move from that right now to. Uh, but before I go to impeachment, let me ask you this. What do you expect uh, when you go to Congress in terms of the uh, information that the president has sent to Congress, uh, that classified information regarding his reasons for the attack on Soleimani, when, what, who gets to see I that? Well, I was with the president the night that this attack went public and uh, with him when we got the announcement that, yes, it, it was uh, active and we did kill Soleimani. What will happen is, and the president has all authority to do this, it is inside Iraq, 
He was protecting American servicemen and women. And what we'll do is Congress will come together. I imagine O'Brien will come in. I imagine Pompeo and others and brief the entire Congress in regards to this. The president has the authority to protect our men and women. And he acted on that. And also remember what had taken place prior to this, the attack on the embassy and others. Right. So the president has clear authority on this. But the fear of what was going to happen even further, that he was able to stop that. We're going to go to a break, but I'm not asking about the authority. What I'm asking about is what will you guys see? Will everyone in Congress see this? When O'Brien does the Well, what I think we'll see is normally in these, when it's a full Congress, they will give you a briefing on it. It will be rather detailed. Uh, but there are certain things you could not share to all. It will be that part would probably be shared more in the Gang of Eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they will okay. be briefed in the entire Congress. The Congress will be able to ask questions and others, just as we've done before. All right, there you go. I mean, they get briefed. The press, they got, he's got forty-eight hours to tell them that he's done something. The president. That's right. They just sent. A, if I'm not mistaken, the president just sent a letter. Uh, within the last, uh, I don't know, 48 hours, maybe. It was on the news this morning yeah. that he had notified them he will uh, he did what notify he, them and meet with them on Wednesday. Un, by the law, and under and by the law, not under the Constitution, by the law, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Under the Constitution, he's commander-in-chief. He can do this stuff. He doesn't have to call Pelosi and say, pretty please. He doesn't have to do that. He don't have to call Schumer and say, do you care if I do this? He doesn't have to do that. If if there seems to be some kind of Im- imminent threat to our men and women, and he's the commander-in-chief, he can act, period. This is part of what bothers me so much about these folks. They do not understand they are only one part of one-third of our government they do not run the whole show they are not the executive they are a secondary power under the executive you know it's supposed to be a three-legged stool kind of thing and they think they run everything they can tell the president what to do they can tell the senate what to do they can tell the republicans what to do they're going to run the whole country who do they think they are all right pompeo was on some of the talking head shows i think the cuts that i have is with the chris wallace who's questioning him and asking him some questions. Best and, quote of the, uh, month, of the weekend. Let me start off with cut 11. When he talked about this risk to America now that uh, Soleimani is dead. Do you think President Trump threatening to attack 52 sites uh, in Iran, one for each one of the Iranian hostages, I mean, the American hostages taken by Iran in 1979 is, is de-escalating, is providing an, an off-ramp for the Iranians? We've provided them clear guidance about what it is we have as an expectation. We have worked with them. We've tried to have conversations with them. It is important that they understand that America will no longer behave the way that it did during the Obama-Biden administration. We will no longer appease. We'll no longer tolerate. Frankly, this war kicked off. People talk about the war. This war kicked off when the JCPOA was entered into. It told the Iranians that they had free reign to develop a Shia crescent that extended from Yemen to Iraq to Syria and into Lebanon, surrounding our ally Israel and threatening American lives as well. We've taken a very different approach. That approach has been successful. There's obviously more work to do, Jake. The Trump administration is privately warning members of Congress that Iran is expected to retaliate within weeks. Here's just some of what's happened in the last 72 hours. The U.S. has told all Americans to immediately leave Iraq. The U.S. is sending thousands of additional U.S. service members from the 82nd Airborne to Kuwait. Soleimani's deputy has been appointed to replace him. 
Uh, the German government has raised its threat level. The British Navy is now accompanying UK ships in the Strait of Hormuz. The U.S. is bracing for possible Iranian cyber attacks. That you've said that quote the world is a much safer place today unquote. Now I can see you making the argument that the world will be safer in the long term, but how can you say we're safer today given the increased and heightened threat level? Jake, my, my reference was very clear to the strategy that the Trump administration had laid out. Uh, the Middle East was unstable. We are creating a place and an opportunity for that stability. We've done so by building out coalitions. We've done so working alongside our friends and partners. We've done so by making it very clear to the Islamic Republic of Iran that we weren't going to accept their rogue behavior in the way the previous administration did. We're going to protect and defend the American people. I am convinced, and I think General Milley had it right. He said we would have been culpably negligent had we not taken that stride against terrorist Soleimani. We'll continue to do those things that reduce risk to America. I know that the risk to America over the long run is much reduced as a result of the actions President Trump and our administration has taken in these last three years. All right. So I think uh, Pompeo basically said what everybody who believes in Trump and uh, who believes that uh, America should be strong uh, thinks, and that is, uh, you know, you screw with us and we're going to bite back. That's not what they've been thinking all these years. No. Thank you, Obama and others, well, it's, including it's the Bushes. Very obvious in that article that we posted dealing with uh, Soleimani in the things that he was saying. Well, I'm a, nobody's going to come after me. They're not going to touch me. Because they, they know never if did. They, if they know that if they do, uh, you know, all hell will break loose. You know, so I'm safe. I can go wherever I want to, appear wherever I want to. I don't think you can ask him that question anymore. I don't want to give it away. You got that audio for when they asked, uh, when Wallace asked Mr. Pompeo what he thought yeah, about I do. Trump's vulnerabilities. I'm, I'm, waiting. I'm, I'm waiting right now because Zach had to step out of the studio oh. because I think that uh, the colonel is here. We'll get him in and see. Here he comes back now. You know, get Zach back into the studio. Here he goes. Okay, he's ready to go. Uh, cut number nine. Uh, and I think this is Jake Tapper, not uh, Chris Wallace. As I was listening to the voice, sounds more like Tapper than Wallace. Uh, and he was asked, and this is something, if you remember, if you listened to the show last hour, this is what Warren said. She said because the impeachment is, you know, coming, that the president uh, took this guy out, so we, the rest of us would forget about the, the impeachment, yada, yada, yada. Like so Pompeo asked, uh, about impeachment, and has it emboldened the Iranians? And here's what uh, Pompeo had to say. Uh, some analysts suggest that the impeachment of President Trump has emboldened enemies like Iran and North Korea uh, to think that they can confront him. Do you think that, as misguided as it may be, that some of our enemies think that this president is more vulnerable because of the impeachment effort? You should ask Mr. Soleimani. Yeah, drop the mic. <laughs> and just drop the mic there. And that was Chris Wallace, by the way, who said If that. you saw the video, the look on Pompeo's face was priceless. Priceless. He just glared on at him. Was a, on what, Pompeo's Wallace? face. I didn't see Wallace's oh. face, but on Pompeo. He just looked at him like, really? <laughs> You're going to ask that You're gonna question? You're going to ask that question. And man, drop the mic. Boom. Yeah. That's a good way of doing awesome it. That's an awesome answer. That's, that's excellent. Now, really you know, is excellent. You know the road where they got Soleimani, okay? Mm -hmm. I read this over the weekend. 
we knew this. I've seen that picture of that road before. Sure. There have been many Americans killed on that road, so it is symbolic in a way that they got Soleimani on that road. And when our president turned around and said, we're going to come after you, we've turned the tables on them. It's the opposite of what you just said. Soleimani thought he was untouchable. And many people in that part of the world thought, oh, the U.S. will just keep moving that red line and just stay behind the red line. They'll never cross. Trump has totally turned the tables, and that's why they're so unhappy. They don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, and that's the left as well because they're, they're thinking like the Iranians are. Be honest uh, yeah. with you. That's exactly what doing. Now, you had a story that just broke, and it's by Reuters. And uh, why don't you read that? Is this about the U.S.-led coalition? Yes. Yeah, this is new out of Reuters. Uh, U.S.-led coalition says it will withdraw from Iraq. It's a letter. The United States-led military coalition against the Islamic State said on Monday that it's pulling out of Iraq and will reposition forces over the next few days and weeks. It's a letter that Reuters has seen. The letter says, Sir, in deference to the sovereignty of the Republic of Iraq and as requested by the Iraqi Parliament and the Prime Minister, CJTFOIR, will be positioning forces over the course of the coming days and weeks to prepare for onward movement. Okay, now my question is, they're, they're, they're talking about uh, the coalition. I don't know if that specifically means all of our specific just American-led forces. If, for instance, I forget what the name of the large air base is up north, I can't imagine that we're packing up and moving out of there. It doesn't, of course, say. It's a pretty short article. It's basically about them seeing the letter, but it just says the authenticity of the letter was confirmed independently by an Iraqi military source, and it was addressed to the Iraqi Defense Ministry's combined joint operations in baghdad now one thing i will say is that the parliament voted on us to leave what i read was again i saw this on twitter coming directly out of iraq i can't verify it i don't know who sent it but it said you don't understand they kicked out everybody not just the u.s they voted on a resolution it was not a law it was a resolution and please forgive me, I'll get this backward. The Shias and the Sunnis. No, the Shias and the other group, there was only, you know, a lot of people there backed away, didn't even vote. Okay. The Shias wouldn't, it was only the Sunnis that voted. No, the only Sunnis that are the ones that voted. The ones that are in control, basically. Right. And, you know, again, it was originally, what I read over the weekend was they kicked everybody out. And they said, this is the only way that Iraq can, you know, uh, reestablish its sovereignty, basically. Well, it's kind of true. It makes sense to me that all of them would go. It also makes sense that, well, now we get into conspiracy stuff. No, we won't go there. Um, a lot of the stuff you've heard and seen on television about Ukraine and control of this and that and the other thing, and it there is some people tying some of that stuff together and saying that, you know, our Democrats are uh, controlling more over there than we think. Well, it'll be interesting. Even if we do leave, we have enough bases close by that we can extend our might if necessary. If something was happening in Iraq, and let's say Iraq suddenly uh, and Iran started saber-rattling towards Israel, uh, we would be close enough that we could uh, initiate something if necessary in those areas, in those in that battlefield area. 
We'll talk to Colonel Reynolds about that. Uh, he's going to be here in the next uh, hour, and we'll talk to him about what he thinks about what's going down uh, in Iraq and Iran. There's there's also a tweet, I can't find it at the moment, that Trump put out, and he said, you know, we've spent X amount of money building up this air base in Baghdad. Do you think we're going to leave now? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, boy. <laughs> You were talking about him notifying Congress. Did you hear about his tweet? No, go Congress? right ahead. This is, this is President Trump talking to the folks who say, you know, you didn't notify us. This was uh, That would be Pelosi yesterday. and all those guys. This is Donald Trump on Twitter. These media posts will serve as notification to the United States Congress that should Iran strike any U.S. person or target, the United States will quickly and fully strike back and perhaps in a disport disproportionate manner such legal notice is not required but is given nevertheless via twitter yeah well before we do our <laughs> break you were you were mentioning that uh soleimani didn't think he could be touched i mentioned that as well well a lot of that has to be considered that even the iranian government itself was uh, was thinking that mike pompeo kind of talked about that over the weekend here's cut 10 then we'll take a break you said you hope that this strike de-escalates the situation. Uh, President Trump is, is obviously now threatening in capital letters to hit Iran very fast and very hard. That does not seem like de-escalation. Jake, we're trying to restore deterrence that, uh, frankly, uh, is a need that results directly from the fact that the previous administration left us in a terrible place with respect to the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, Team Obama appeased Iran, and it led to Shia militias with money, Hamas, the PIJ, hundreds of thousands of Syrians killed by Soleimani himself. Uh, this was the place we found ourselves when we came in, and we have developed a strategy to attempt to convince the Iranian regime to behave like a normal nation. That's what our strategy is about. We've been executing it. We will continue to do so. We have every expectation that we'll ultimately achieve that goal. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth's still here for another couple of minutes, and... Uh, one of my good buddies has just walked into the studio with me. Colonel Conrad Reynolds, is uh, he's in town, which was really great because I thought I was going to have him by phone today. And then he texted me and said, no, 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 I'm home. I'll be there at the at the station. So it's good to see you, Colonel. Always better in person. Hey, you too. You too. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, this I'm is great. And, and great weather. I brought all this weather with me. I got to let you know. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something. All right. I, I, I had to bow out of doing the... Hall of Fame emceeing this year. Right. What, what, when was that? What date? That was uh, the, the first Saturday of November. I think it was the second. I know that you had, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm still in a boot. Recu- recuperating from that. Wow. Wow. Well, we you missed a great event. We I had would, a great time. But yeah. I'm excited about next year because you said that there's a special guest that we know pretty well, we may be there. Well, before I before I say that, I want to wait, make sure okay. uh, that the individual is going to make it. So then, this is be, cool. I love to. It'd be I love exciting. to tease people. Right, right. It'll, it'll be exciting if he it, comes. It, I will really be excited. Absolutely. If well, he comes, okay. You just if he out comes, hit. here's my key. <laughs> if he comes, I will work with the Colonel. We'll we'll get him on my show before he's here. That that'd be great. That'd be great. And so uh, we'll just hold everybody in in suspense yeah, until we well, know for yeah, sure. Yeah, for a year. That's right. all. I love this. I have to mention it like every month or something. <laughs> right. Do right. that. Hey, how you like uh, turning on 101 and, and hearing uh, Rush? And Rush. Oh, wow. isn't that great? <laughs> isn't that great? great? I am so, so pleased. I can't think of a better station for him to be at than the station that really is conservative. Right. 
Right. Well, I'm glad. I'm and super. that's what they're saying on Facebook, too, Mr. Right, I'm super happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, Dave. All and, right. Uh, well, it's cool. It's really good. So next hour, I've I've invited Colonel in for one reason, one reason only. He spent a lot of times in the Middle East and Afghanistan, and he's played around in the in the sandbox uh, long enough that he knows a lot of the stuff that's going on over there. And I I want to I'm going to pick his brain. In well, the next pick my hour. brain. We're gonna I, pick I may it. not have that much. To I got give, my but nut I'll give pick. Some. <laughs> I got my nut pick ready to go. Right, and we're going to do that. Elizabeth, thanks for coming in. Thanks always, for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Are you going to be here next Monday? or Are you off next Monday? Well, yeah, I'll be in Little Rock next Monday, so if you'll have me, I'll come back. All right. And, well, maybe next Monday we can do lunch before we do the show. Boy, BJ's will love that. They've been missing my money, I think. (laughs) A break, and then the news, and then I'm back with Colonel Conrad Reynolds here on the Dave Ellswick Show. as we start this third hour and uh, yes colonel conrad reynolds is here and we're going to get to him in just a moment but i had just reported a reuters story at the end of the last hour saying that the coalition in iraq was going to reposition in other words leave iraq no decision this is a story breaking just right now i just my phone just lit up No decision has been made to leave Iraq, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper told reporters in Washington today, drawing heightened scrutiny to a letter reportedly sent to Iraqi lawmakers from the U.S. military signaling a withdrawal. Quote, there's been no decision whatsoever to leave Iraq, Esper said. Staff members are, quote, trying to figure out, unquote, what the letter is. And, quote, there are no plans to leave, unquote, he added. The letter from United States Marine Corps Brigadier General William Seeley III, Commanding General of Task Force Iraq, the U.S.-led military coalition against ISIS, was obtained by media outlets today. General Mark, did you say it was Miley? Miley Milley. Milley, Miley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, told reporters that the letter was real, but that it wasn't meant to be released. Quote, that letter is a draft. It was a mistake. It should not have been released, unquote, he said. He said the draft was poorly worded, wasn't signed. The letter addressed to the Iraqi Defense Ministry's Combined Joint Operations Baghdad stated, quote, sir, in deference to the sovereignty of the Republic of Iraq, and is requested by the Iraqi parliament and the prime minister, 
TJTFOIR will be repositioning forces over the course of the coming days and weeks to prepare for onward movement. During this time, there will be an increase in helicopter travel in and around the international zone of Baghdad. I guess the international zone, same thing as the green, green zone. zone. Right. Uh, we respect your sovereignty decision to order our departure. A Department of Defense spokesperson told the Epoch Times, where I'm getting the story right now, before Miley and Esper spoke that they were still tracking down the letter. Uh, the Iraqi parliament passed a resolution over the weekend to expel foreign troops after Prime Minister Mahdi called on members to act. Quote, the government commits to revoke its request for assistance from the international coalition fighting the ISIS terrorist group due to the end of military operations in Iraq and the achievement of victory. The Iraqi government must work to end the presence of any foreign troops on Iraqi soil and uh, prohibit them from using its land, airspace, or water for any reason. Resolutions, unlike laws, are non-binding. There's about 5,000 American military personnel in Iraq, which has found itself caught between Iran and the United States. The parliament was reacting several days after a U.S. airstrike took out the Iranian general uh, Soleimani in Baghdad. So there you have it. Right now... Where that letter came from, evidently, no one knows, although uh, the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said that it was a draft. So somebody was drafting up something, but it's going to be interesting to find out if the defense uh, chief knew about it. <laughs> well, can I add a couple of things? Yeah, they, go ahead. Uh, just from my this experience. This is why I got you on. Uh, just, just from my experience at Central Command and, and in any major command, particularly uh, the ones overseas, um, not knowing what the political decisions will be. Uh, if you have good staff officers, uh, they will uh, start writing and drafting these things. Maybe There may be three or four different types of letters that are being drafted um, so that they don't have to make them on the spot so that the commanding general based upon whatever the political decision is or what the reality is they've got something to pull from immediately so it's, it looks like to me uh, just from what i've heard uh, this may be one of those drafts that some staff officer has drafted up um, and somebody somebody must have taken it and fed it to some you know it leaked it out uh, which is unfortunate because that should never ever happen but th- but th- these type of uh uh, messages that are drafted up happen all the time. So my question is, if you're uh, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Miley, Angry. Would you, would you, would, <laughs> well, you know, I wonder if he's uh, drafting his letter of resignation. Uh, maybe, but I will tell you right now, they're, they are angry, and they're going to try to find out who leaked this. Uh, but it's not uncommon that you have uh, different drafts of messages that go one way or the other. Uh, not knowing where the political winds are going to go. And so you want to be prepared and have something ready. And um, it looks like somebody may have jumped a gun or somebody intentionally leaked it out in order to get a response. Yeah, it says the letter is a draft. It was a mistake. It was unsigned. That should have given, you know, anybody who got a copy of it, nobody signed this, you know. Right, but what it does tell you when he says it's a draft, they knew about it. Yeah, someone has confirmed that it was in fact a draft. Right. So, um, so that 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 tells you something. But the right chairman, there. he's yeah, the one who said go. it was. Yeah, it was a draft. Yeah. So, so they've already looked, they've already looked into it. that. They didn't say it was absolutely bogus. 
They said it was a draft, so well, they know. They know. He, like you said, they may have been re, uh, reacting to the Iraqi parliament right. that passed that resolution. But a resolution's not a law. No, but a general will reach out to one of his staff's officers and say, hey, write me up something in case I have to uh, say something quickly, draft up something for me, uh, and let me look at it. Uh, but, but just because they passed a resolution doesn't right. necessarily mean they're going to pass something legal on it. Right, of course. Uh, 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 granted. Maybe they're, they're trying... Look, Iraq is caught between a rock and a hard place right now. Mm-hmm. The rock being us, the hard place being Iraq or right. Iran. Pardon me. <laughs> you know, they're right between the two of us. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and they're, it's they're trying be, to um, they're trying to walk a razor's edge right now. I would think. I think so. Uh, particularly, uh, they probably don't want it to look like they were in cahoots or that they gave assistance to the U.S. forces to take out Soleimani. Okay, speaking of Soleimani. Yes, sir. All right, I'm going to turn this over to you. I'm, we got about seven minutes left, so you, okay. you, I'm going to give you a lot of time. I want everybody to understand who Soleimani was. Well, he was a bad guy. In fact, um, uh, unfortunately, I have to admit this, he was born on the same day as my brother, but uh, he was born in 1957. Um, but he was really kind of an unknown, to be honest with you, up until uh, 1979, November 4th, when uh, the Iranians took over our embassy uh, in Tehran. And, um, but, and that's when, of course, uh, the Kurds force started during that time frame. And uh, he joined the military. He became um, something of a hero early on in the Iraq Iran okay, war. Okay, so I'm going to hold you there yep. just for a second. Go back. And, uh, the Shah is, is dispo- deposed. All right, and Carter allowed it to happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, he let that happen. And the people who came in, you know, the the Khomeini who came in. No, he was in France. Yeah, he had been in exile. exile. He had been in exile for years. So he comes back, and he brings back a hard-line course of uh, Islam, basically, Muslim belief. All right. The Shaw was much more westernized. People mm-hmm. walked around looking like just like people here in Little Rock. Right, then it like all that. changed like over, almost overnight. And everybody was shocked. Everybody yeah. was shocked uh, to include all the intelligence organizations in, in, in the U.S. during that time frame uh, that it, it changed so quickly. People just couldn't believe it that, you know, within a year's time frame. Boom. When the other side has all the guns, guess what? You can change quickly. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, well it changed quickly. And, um, and of course, um, uh, our embassy was um, taken hostage. And, in, in fact, you know, uh, an interesting note, there is a headquarters, a Quds headquarters right now at our U.S. embassy in Tehran, at that headquarters. Really? Uh-huh. Sure is. Um, but this guy, this guy rose to prominence uh, back in the eighties. Um, uh, he didn't get he didn't get along real well with the um, the presidents. I think it was Rassam Johnny. He did not get along with him very well, so he kind of disappeared for a few years and didn't come back up uh, on our screen actually until two thousand three when we entered Iraq. And when we entered Iraq, then he became um, a real problem because with Ahmadinejad. No, Ahmadinejad actually came in in 2005. Oh, okay. Okay, but he, uh, Ahmadinejad. Yeah, is, but, I call him Ahmadinejad, <laughs> nut job. Yeah, that's right. But before him, <laughs> bef- during 2003, um, uh, Soleimani became somebody that uh, uh, was killing a lot of our troops because he was bringing a lot of weapons uh, to the militia there, to the Shia militia that were, that were, that were targeting us. Yeah, yeah. Explain because I, I had always heard that this is the guy that was responsible for the IED 
in the in the, well, the Iraqi war. Yeah, there, there's a basically the thing that he was most responsible for uh, is what we call uh, explosively formed projectile. And what this was was this is a, a way of making a weapon. An IFP. Uh, EF, an e, EFP. EFP. An okay. EFP was uh, just think of a coffee can. It's got a lot of C4 explosives in it and on top it's got a uh, copper a copper top if you will uh, but concaved and when that went off it formed a molten mass of copper that would go slice right through our up armored humvees and that's how many many of our soldiers got uh, wounded maimed many killed and it was all because of this guy uh, in his in his kuds force so uh, so he's a good guy to be gone trump did the right thing um, I don't care what anybody says. This is a good guy to have uh, out of our lives. Does it drive you? It does me, Colonel. I just want to know if it drives you as crazy as it does me when I hear people who are were against this, or just because it was Trump are against it. Basically, I think if Trump had gotten, uh, you know, uh, what's his name that Obama got that Osama bin Laden. Yeah, they would, they would have found something wrong with that as well. Oh, uh, sure, sure. They would say you didn't ask permission. Well, the bottom line here is is that the Quds Force has been designated a terrorist yes. organization. No different than ISIS. No difference than al-Qaeda. It's the same thing. It's, it is a terrorist organization, and this is the leader of it. He's the commander of it and has been for years. Why wouldn't you take him out? So I think that's a, because a smart Because you thing. might make the Iranians really angry, and they might want to hurt us. Well, I got news for them. I, right? I just, just well, <laughs> I hear that, and I go, where have you been living at? Right, right. Well, the problem we have right now, uh, and it stretches beyond this particular activity, but I'm very concerned personally. This is all, I'm talking everything from a personal standpoint now. Yeah, of course. But from, a, but from my biggest concern is the advance of nuclear weapons and nuclear technology in Iran. And my concern is the Obama administration decided that a success was simply kicking the can down the road and acknowledging they may get nuclear weapons at some point, Mm -hmm. maybe 10 years down the road, but it would be on somebody else's watch to fix. And that's not success in my mind. No. And, um, And so we as a country have to make a determination. Do we take a preactive, do we do something about this or do we let this rogue nation get a nuclear weapon? That's what we've got to make a decision on. Yeah, and that's what we already made, seem to have made the decision now on North Korea that we're not going to allow them to do it. It'd be nice now if we would make the same decision about Iran. That's true. China, uh, I think North Korea, without getting in too far off of our subject today, I think that uh, North Korea is a completely different animal in the sense that they can't survive without China. Right. And so we have somebody there that we can put, you know, put a little pressure on to make them behave. We really don't have that with Iran. And um, so it's in a different component. It's a religious, it's a theocracy, it's got all kinds of other problems that we have to deal with. But I, I, I worry about them getting a nuclear weapon and what they would be able to do with that and how they think about trying to negotiate with them when they have four or five nuclear weapons that they could launch towards Israel. Mm-hmm. How are we going to negotiate with them then? Well, the Democrats have no problem with it because they don't like Israel anymore. Well, well, not maybe. only that, you know, the, the, uh, the Robert big, Steinbach is here. If you couldn't tell from the, uh, <laughs> the high voice. pitched New York voice, <laughs> you know, part of the problem and part of what drove that awful Iran deal in the first place uh, is this notion amongst people like Obama, like Kerry, this internationalist notion, which is, well, if Israel has the bomb, 
why shouldn't a country like Iran have the bomb? And of course, the answer is because it's run by a bunch of crackpots. And we, we'll come out and say it. No, uh, murderous bastards. Uh, yeah, as well. As well. <laughs> I think those are high, highly overlapping categories. And so, no, Iran should never have the bomb. By the way, I, in driving in, I heard you folks on the radio. I think you missed the most important pun, Dave. Iraq is caught between Iraq and a hard place. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I like, I like, I like, I like that. I heard, I saw a meme today that I loved, mm-hmm. and it was a picture of uh, the terrorists saying, "Are you telling me you're going to send us a pallet full of money at the airport?" And then it showed Trump. He said, "Yeah, at the airport. Just meet us there." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was great. We'll take a break. We All got right. more. Colonel Conrad Reynolds, good friend, and a very well versed person in the military, is with us here along with Robert Steinbach on the Dave Ellswick show. <laughs> right back with, that's, that's good, man. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that's it. A, that's, that's about a quarter of the size that it was. I do not want to see it. You know what it. was bad about it, uh, uh, Robert? That they could stick a Q-tip don't, in it. Don't show it to me. And push, it all, the way, and push it all the What's way it? through my foot. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and make a tent on the top. But it's, it's healed up uh, significantly now. By the way, I wanted to thank uh, Robert Steinbach personally on the air for filling in for me during the time I took off. Dave, that's very kind of you. I'm sure I haven't lost you more than 500 listeners. Nah, uh, that's, that's good, all. That's at good. most. At most. <laughs> well, maybe on the first time, but then when we came around and you got to say that Rush was coming, we picked 500 oh, listeners yeah. well, up they, real quick. Rush brought you 2,000 listeners, <laughs> if not more. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. By the way, Robert Steinbach... Uh, is a of course professor of law over at UALR's Bowen School of Law, and his opinion is his and his alone, and not necessarily that of the Bowen School of Law or UALR. That's it's, by a, the way, UA Little Rock. UA Little Rock. Yeah, we've, we've, Sorry. We've, no, no, no. It's a new branding. Okay. Yeah. And well, I won't get into that. I I won't get myself. I was going to do a, a Ricky your ass kind of. He had some good jokes. Didn't oh, he, he it was hilarious. Yeah. He was hilarious. <laughs> play that one. Play that last one for us that he did yesterday. Apple roared into the the TV game with a morning show, a superb drama. Yeah, a superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So. Well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right... Come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God. So, yeah. And they out the part where he said something to the effect of it and get the heck off, off the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. That was, that was I, so I, true. I saw that clip, and if you look at some of the uh, faces out there in the crowd, they were not happy. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> Tom Hanks. He was not happy. No, but it was hilarious. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, are you saying that celebrities are not supposed to be giving us 
our opinions and directing us on issues of society. But the only reason they can do that is because people allow them to do that. Well, they they do it because... it's sort of like the comment about not pissing off the newspaper, right? They've got all the paper and the ink that they can yes. forever, unlimited, right? And so the only reason people listen is because they talk, and they talk over a medium that is exposed to the population. So I agree people should be more vigilant in screening out the noise. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. they have a loudspeaker, the the the. Media and that's does, true as well. You know? I, I agree. But the right gave up that loudspeaker. We mm-hmm. used to have it at one mm-hmm. time, and we mm-hmm. get, and we gave it up. Got to get it back. Okay. We, we got two minutes uh, before the bottom of the hour. We'll get back with Colonel Conrad Reynolds right after the news. I, I, I just wanted to pursue what you're saying oh. because uh, I was – Conrad, you know this as well as everybody else as well as Rob. I'm a big second, uh, First Amendment guy. Mm-hmm. I believe in free speech. And I got really irritated over the week uh, and because Netflix is putting out a show that I'm not going to watch about a gay Jesus. But the right is going, you can't show that. You can't do that. Yes, they can. It's called free speech. I don't care if they do it. I just won't watch it. Well, or if, I I, if they you. really tick me off, I'll just cancel Netflix. Right. I, I commend you, Dave, because... A true conservative believes in the same rule for the opponent as you do for your collaborators. So you only the rule of free speech can't be only the things we like to hear. That's right. Netflix is a private company. They're entitled to put out whatever product. And if you don't like the product, you're entitled to buy a new product. That's correct. Or say, well, I'm going to continue to buy that product but not watch that show. You have an infinite number of responses that you can take, including doing nothing. But the notion that – and it's one thing if conservatives want to say, well, that's uh, uh, objectionable. I don't like what they're saying. Yeah, that's, and that's a response. That. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a substantive response. But saying they can't do that as you're suggesting, and I'm sure there are those folks out there that have said that, they don't understand what it, the First Amendment means, and they'll be the first to be shut down when their approach to the First Amendment – uh, is adopted by those on the left. Well, it's just like for all the people on the right that enjoyed what Ricky Gervais did, the left hated every word that he is, he spoke That's last right. night. About Okay, back with you, telling a story about yeah. Colonel Burke. Back with, I'll finish this story next break. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. so you can hear it. I just, I love telling the Jody Powell story. I got to tell it one more time. Jody Powell, they're in the war room. Beckwith is down there telling them what they're going to do during the Iranian hostage uh, mission and said they're going to land in the desert, they're getting in the jeeps, they're going into Tehran, they're going to scale the walls, they're going to take out the guards, they're going to go back over the walls, they think they'll lose two, maybe three hostages, but they're going to kill all the the guards there. Then they're going up into the mountains and the Sigorsky's coming in to take them out. And (laughs) I think he was out at the... Club 54 the night before or something. But he, he, he sits down in front of Beckwith and he says, you're going to kill the guards, Colonel? And he says, well, what would you have me do, spank them? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is a true story. I believe it. About I how politicians it. think about that. That the can too often be delusional. But you know this more than me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would, I would, we were just talking earlier, but in, 
it was when during that time frame in November of 1979 when they took over our embassy. I was at UCA, University of Central Arkansas, and uh, decided to uh, enlist in the reserves. And I did enlisted in a reserve unit here in Arkansas, and uh, that was in December of 1979. So that's what moved me. You know, I said, man, somebody's got to stand up. Can you tell me? You're right. Do you have a story in which, given your intelligence work, some political type? through the chain of command, gave some instructions that were clearly devoid of knowledge of how you guys operate. I know that happens all the time, but is there a story that you can if relate it, if, No, I'll be honest right. with you. At my level, right. where, where I was at, no, I, it would never filter down I see. I uh, see. to that. Most of the political, that would have gone right. to the general level Got at it. that time. And um, and we never knew about it. But usually it was cleared up before it ever got down to us. Got Colonel, it. one of the problems that we have is in the Pentagon with some of the generals that have been put in there by other presidents. Right. Is that not true? It is true. Okay. Now, and, and that's, you, that's the reason we got problems right now in the FBI and got problems. Okay, in, so yeah. let me ask this question: the going up to two star, you can be bumped up to two star, but you have to, it's a political process from two star up, correct? It's uh, to be honest with you, yes, it's a political process all the way though, really even from one star to two star, but but more at the three and four star level, yes. Okay, so if a, if a general is three or four, and the president doesn't like what they're doing, can he? downgrade them to like a two-star no um i think I, i'll be honest with you i i think he can because uh, they serve it his but typically that doesn't happen they just are asked to retire okay so why hasn't on. the president asked some of these people to retire? i wish he would i wish he would but uh probably the see i don't not understand that. that see somebody like you or me or cotton or something i think we would do that right because you got to clean up the house some sure there's a lot of trash still there in the pentagon that are carrying over thought processes that do not go along with this administration. It's not because you have a lot of civilian appointees uh, in, in the Department of Defense and all the other intel agencies um, you know, throughout Washington. And that's been a real problem. And they've had a long time to put in people in certain key positions who have a different thought process. Okay. I, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit there, I know. You want me to talk about Iran? I will. Let's go back to this uh, this killing of Soleimani. Uh, Democrat hopeful Pete Buttigieg, all right, was on talking head shows this weekend. He was asked about does Trump deserve credit for the killing of Soleimani? I want to play what he said, and then he's going to say something else. And I'm going to just stop the piece of audio because we don't need to hear any more of it. And then just ask the colonel if it drives him. And same thing with you, Rob. Does it drive you as crazy as it does me? It's a short trip. Here, yeah, here's Pete Buttigieg, cut number eight. After the strike, you called uh, Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian general who was killed, you called him a threat to the safety and security of the United States. So are you saying that President Trump deserves some credit for the strike? No, not until we know whether this was a good decision and how this decision was made. And the president has failed to demonstrate that. The secretary of, your, uh, of state just now. Uh, when asked whether this strike prevented directly an attack, he did not prove, he did not demonstrate, he did not even claim that the answer was yes. Now, let's be clear. Qasem Soleimani was a bad figure. Stop. Uh, he Stop. That's a, this is how they try to deflect what they just said. Now, let me be clear. <laughs> Soleimani was a really bad guy. Well, if he was that bad... He needed to be killed. It's that simple. You got the shot at him. You took it. You succeeded. 
pop the wine, you know, the the champagne. He could go down into the wine cave and pop <laughs> some uh, champagne. That's course. right. Absolutely. Well, let's be clear. He was the leader of a designated terrorist organization. He was the commander. Are you telling me killing the leader of a terrorist organization that has been identified, and we all agree that it is, how can that not be a good thing? What? Do, do and he doesn't have, deserve credit. I mean, it, no, I mean no it's credit. ridiculous. Well, it just shows you, you know, that their political posturing, that's all. Is it the military's and, gov- and our government's position, isn't it, to kill the leaders of terrorist organizations? Or we don't do that? No, it is. It is. That's a it rule is. during war. But, it is. Right now. right? I mean, this is, and, I'm and, not being facetious. And how many American soldiers did this man kill right. or maim or wound? I mean, it's in the hundreds. And yet we are having some type of, uh, we're, you know, um, what do I want to say? Um, moral reckoning? Yeah, right? moral reckoning. Uh, that's ridiculous. No. Or, or cold feet being able to do something like this. It takes a lot of guts to do what Trump did, and I applaud him for it. Yeah, let, let's just roll this back. Let me take you back in history. Okay, you to World War Two. Yoko Mato mm-hmm. was on a flight, and we identified that he was going to be on that flight. We shot that plane down and killed him. Well, now, and after that, under should, President— should, should FDR had to prove— Oh, no, that was perfectly fine, of course. You know, should, Just as fine, by the way, as the nuclear bombs. So let's not get into the left-wing not, uh, post-hoc uh, uh, moralizing about reality. But— then President Ford put in a prohibition on assassinations, but correct me if I'm wrong, Colonel, that's political assassinations. That's, that's not correct. leaders of – we should currently – and I'm not sure we don't have a list of leaders of terrorist organizations that we should be actively seeking to kill. They do. Okay. We, we do. Well, we then do. how is this even controversial? It's a presidential election. Ah. That's exactly right. Bingo. That's it. That's it. That's what it is. And nobody wants to give Trump credit for anything. It doesn't matter. Like uh, He could have killed Osama bin Laden and they wouldn't give him credit for it. He could have dug him up, resurrected him like Frankenstein, <laughs> and then shot him in the head. And they would have said, why'd you kill him? Yeah. Or why did you kill any of the other people, the bystanders who happened to be there? And then that would be the focus. You know, the women that were there. No, that, that, sure. would, that would have been the focus. Instead sure. of, look, we took out a bad guy. I Who's still to, to this day get ticked off when people talk about the Navy SEALs because I, I have a word from some buddies that I know that have worked in that, that area. Mm-hmm. They supposedly, you know, took a leak on his body before they threw him overboard. <laughs> and people got really upset about it. And the way I look at it, I would have done more than just taking a leak on him. I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I can't think of too many guys that that I served with that wouldn't have been the same way. Well, they did a smart thing by burying him at sea. Yeah. Uh, that was Nobody. Smart. Yeah. Nobody exactly that right. they can use the martyr and hold him up as like linen or something. Right. You know? right. Would they right. have planned that in advance? Of course. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. They would have built a, a monument like they did to, to Lennon. Yeah, no, People I'm explaining no, the burial of the sea. Of course. Yeah, they absolutely. figured if they killed him, we're going to dump him off the boat so that we don't have to worry about that in the future. That's but no wee-wee exactly right. in on him, and they <laughs> broke the law. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with that. I'm being honest. I just, I just feel like most guys that I knew that served would have felt the same way. Right, right. Well, I think ta- taking this particular individual out was a the good thing, thing for America. It was a good thing for America. And those who don't see that, it's only from a political position, in my mind. Yeah. I had a, fun, a friend of mine, Lars Larson. You know Lars. Lars is a talk show host out in Portland. Sent me, <laughs> sent me a text yesterday, and he said, hey, I just got some great news, Dave. 
And I, I said, what? What? He says, Soleimani just quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> right after they took the fire extinguisher. Yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. But there was another one that I, I think there's some truth to, and that was we got the picture of Soleimani's hand in that ring oh, quicker so- than we have Epstein's tape, tapes of him being in his jail cell. <laughs> Uh, Ricky Gervais made a joke about that, and everybody was hush about that as well. Yeah, I know. And he said something to the effect, "Yeah, I know you guys were friends with him." Yeah, that's exactly what he what he said. That's mm-hmm. exactly what he said. All right, so we know that this guy was a bad guy, and and whatnot. So, what about the argument, Colonel? And, and I'm going to take a break and let you you know formulate your words because you're going to say this, it's because it's a stupid statement, uh, but. People who say, but it just makes things more dangerous for us over there. Now the Iranians are really going to be mad. They were, they're going to be mad, mad. We'll talk about it with the colonel when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. If you just joined us, my special guest uh, is Colonel Conrad Reynolds. He's been in the military for how many years? 29. 29 years. Okay. And, and I, then... Uh, and you've been out of the military ten years, ten years now, <laughs> and you're still working right. with the military. Absolutely. Okay. And intelligence was his game and continues to be his game. Right. I'm here as talking as just a, a friend as of you himself. and a private citizen. Absolutely. Yeah, as himself. I'm, I mean, I don't bring him in saying he's, you know, if if he had a, a uniform on with four stars, it'd be a different story. But he does not. I'd never make four stars. Thank you for, <laughs> well, that's for because, even suggesting you can't play the You can't play the game that I'll take way. I got gotcha. you. I'm with you. All right. So, uh, and then Robert uh, Steinbach is here. And let me remind everybody, he's a legal professor over at, uh, what is it again now? Arkan? UA uh, Little Rock. Of Little Rock. Okay. Not a, UA of U, Little Rock. UA, UA Little Rock. Little Rock. And yeah. Bowen School of Law is the right. best way to put it. Right. And his opinions are his and his alone as well. Not necessarily that it's school of law or the university. I want to get that in. That's because, you know, you got a CYA and not him. The university and the school of law has to that they don't have his opinions. That's they got to cover their butt. Well, they don't it's just fair to everybody, right? <laughs> anyway, let me get back to the colonel. I asked you about Buttigieg, and he's not the only one that's doing this. They, they find all things they can find wrong in taking out this terrorist. Then they say, now let me be clear, however, you know, this guy was a really bad guy. All right, so how do you feel about they try to cover their butt with that? Well, I, I don't I don't like it at all. Uh, but let me, I'd like to quote uh, David, uh, General Petraeus, okay, because he did say. When this he was is a the, good man. When he was a commander of the American forces in, in the war in Iraq, he called Soleimani, he said, he's our, he said, Soleimani, is our most significant and evil adversary in the greater Middle East, right? Now, think about that. That was several years ago. Yeah, that's but, when Bush was president. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, think about that. This guy has been around a long time, and he is, again, our most significant and evil adversary in the greater Middle East, and we just took him out. How is that not a good thing? And how did it take so long? It, right, 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 exactly. Uh, Colonel right. and Dave, you don't seem to understand. The reason it's not a good thing is because it makes Trump look good. Anything that makes Trump look good is not a good thing in the minds of the knee-jerk leftists running for president under the Democratic banner. But if you're objective, well, of course it's a good thing. 
Oh, well, you know, there might be a reaction. Yeah, yeah. You, life results in reactions. Life is a series of actions and reactions. Incentives and disincentives. Exactly. You know, you I, could, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I say, you know, Team America just made a touchdown on a Hail Mary pass. And we've got people on our own team saying, well, hold on a second. You know, maybe we're off sides. Yeah, well, uh, no, may, maybe, you know they're maybe. saying? They're saying worse than that. They're saying maybe the other team is going to want to score a touchdown against us. Oh, right, well, right. Maybe we shouldn't bother. We should just sit on. Everybody gets a trophy. We sit on the sidelines. <laughs> well, that's reality. And Trump did a good thing, and I'm behind him on that one. Okay, with that, let me play a. Uh, I'm not going to play that six minute clip. That's just too long. I got a clip from Heritage's uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dakota Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, Iran must see the pain from attacking U.S. outweighs perceived benefits. Mm-hmm. And that that's. Ex- it's kind of like the carrot and the stick. Mm-hmm. You get out and you do something and and you bite us, you're a dog, and you bite us, we're going to whack you, all right? If you come up and sniff at us and then sit down and you look at us and don't do anything, we'll give you a treat. Right. And maybe you'll just sit down and look at us. You won't bite us ever. You know, is that kind of what we're trying to teach you? Well, I, I, th- I think so, but I think what you're going to say, this is my own personal opinion. Again, their number one quest in life is to have a nuclear weapon. I really believe well, that. Well, I agree with and, that. And I, I think that uh this will they have pursued it they've continued to pursue it all the way since the early 2000s they will continue and um i don't think that this is going to stop that and i don't think my my personal opinion i don't think that they're going to do anything to make us respond where they'll lose that opportunity to get a nuclear weapon okay so can you stay at the, into the next hour Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to. I ask that only because of the question I'm going to ask you now. Okay. All right. If you think, now we got people on the ground in Iran. There's no doubt mm-hmm. we're getting information in real time. Information I'm sure from people who know where that nuclear program is. Mm-hmm. If they get close enough, do you think we'll take it out? And should we? Do you want me to answer that now? We'll get into the next hour because it'll <laughs> okay. take a while for you to answer. I got to think about that one. All yeah, right. I'll let you answer it. You know, do you believe in preemptive strikes? I happen to believe them in in them. I mean, seriously, think back in history. If you'd had a chance to kill Hitler before he came really came to power, would you have? Would you killed Mao if you could have killed him before he really came to power? I think I would have. I mean, these are quote philosophical questions, but. You should be thinking about them because you never know who the bad guy is going to be the next time. Right. And I just think you got to make your mind up about that stuff and doing it. What do you think, Rob? Do you think you have to take strikes them are, of course, a wholly legitimate tool in the arsenal for a country and for the military. And one must simply make the decision whether it's appropriate at any given instance, whether it will better achieve one's goals or less so but there's nothing conceptually uh drawing a line uh in terms of acts of war between preemptive strikes and waiting till your territory and or your people are killed that's never required under law and under morality i you know if i'm living in a neighborhood and the guy behind me is stockpiling weapons and he's shot over my house and everything i don't think i'm going to wait until he puts one through the window and in my head before i do something no about I, it. Oh, I agree 100 percent with you there preemptive strike is one is i agree with that philosophy i think that it's necessary i think that um the implementation of it though particularly when it comes to nuclear weapons or nuclear 
facilities. Um, it requires a lot, a lot of thought and a lot of study, and you need you got to be a hundred percent right in what you're doing. Yeah, well, I'm not going to disagree with that. Mm-hmm. All right, not, not going to disagree. And you got to work with your allies. There's no doubt about that as well. And which ally am I talking about? For all you people who think I'm a Zionist, no, you're right. Uh, you got to talk to Israel, right? Because they're going to be the most directly affected. If you do something like that, that's why I got that flag flying in my studio. Right. I really do. You know, it's really remarkable how conservatives have become the protectors and defenders and supporters of Israel. And the Democrats have completely sold out to Middle Eastern terrorist supporting countries. Mm -hmm. Right. It's remarkable. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. It It really, really is. When you look back on the history of the Democratic Party and how they did support those folks and now don't support them at all. In fact, everything they do, they find something wrong with it. The Democratic Party is not your father's Democratic Party. That's the bottom line. It used to be the Democratic Party was a party of the pipe fitters, the plumbers, the working man, and the conservatives were considered somewhat elitist. And it's mm-hmm. completely turned around. That That's on the domestic front. And on the foreign front, the Democratic Party were the supporters of democracy. And the conservatives as well, but less so because they claim to take a more pra- pragmatic approach. Now... The Democrats don't seem concerned at all about democracy at all. In fact, it's it's this uh, they bow to the false god of value relativism such that if there is a country that doesn't have our Western values. Oh, well, they're great because they're different. Different ain't always great. Right. The god of diversity. Yeah. Multiculturalism. Uh, Above all all else. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. All right. We're going to have to take a break. Got the news at the top of the hour. Colonel Conrad Reynolds has graciously said he'll give us some more time. And and that's important because I'm going to tell you, this man doesn't speak from a lack of knowledge. He speaks from a lot of knowledge because he's been in this. Oh, you've been in this battle for a long time. Absolutely. You've been dealing with this. <laughs> middle. How long have you been involved in what's going on in the Middle East? Well, uh, Afghanistan. I, well, in Centcom, I went to Centcom in 2000. Uh, right, imme- I got there the month that the USS Cole was bombed. So, and it was a it was a sprint ever since. <laughs> Are you talking the Clinton administration? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. And everybody was focused on one thing during that time. I, don't, I bet you don't remember what it was: hanging chads. That's right. And, and I do remember and, that because that's when I got Everybody lost here. focus. Everybody lost focus of of what happened in, in the Gulf of Aden uh, with uh, the USS Cole. Yeah. We almost did that. When the New England Patriots were taking uh, video of the New York Jets sideline. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, Zach's cracking up over there. All right, we'll take a break. we got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
back. Five o'clock hour, you're heading home. You made it through probably the, the, the Monday, first Monday for a full week of work in 2020. Congratulations. That's a good thing that you made it. I'm glad you did. And you're still recovering from last week and the week before. But you did a good job. You got where you're going. Hey, Robert uh, Steinbach is here, of course, the legal professor from over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his alone and not that of the Bowen School of Law. And a guy, when I can get him on, I always bring him on, especially if he can come on when he's in town. And uh, It's hard Con- for him to come on when he's not in town, right? Well, yeah, he comes <laughs> on. He comes by phone. phone. I'm teasing. But phone, <laughs> I phone, did too. You phone is just not the same. Uh, as when it's doable. you can have him right here. Yeah, it's doable, but it just sounds better. And uh, the whole the whole relationship thing of being able to look at people in the eye and talk to them is, is totally different than talking on the phone. And Colonel Conrad Reynolds is here. I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, the wealth of knowledge the man has. If the, if the local TV stations had any decent reporters, Whenever some of these stories broke, they call up Conrad and ask him to, to do a stand-up with him. D- Dave, you've got well, an thanks, exclusive. Dave. I appreciate that. I mean, you've got an exclusive with the expert. Don't give him up. Well, <laughs> Don't share him. Just bring I, him on more. I always share because I want people to know well, that's the truth. That's true. And this man will give you the truth. I, I left him with something to think about uh, when we went to break. And uh, I'm going to rein it back in after I ask him this question uh, again. And that is... As you said, the the end goal with Iran is to keep them from getting a nuke. That is true. All right? Because if they get one, they're going to get more than one. Well, they're they, get, well they're get if they as get many one, as they you, you are in a completely different game. Yes, you are. Absolutely. Yeah, because you can kill a whole lot of people uh, with a nuke. And and so the question is, we've got people in Iran. We know. I know this for a fact, uh, even though I don't know any of them, but... There's people on the ground that are feeding us real-time information over there. So we probably have a pretty good idea of where their nuke program is and how, how fast it's proceeding. If it looks like they're going to get the nuke, do you take it out before they get it? Do you do that? Do you think that's a good idea, bad idea, or what? Well, there's a whole lot that goes into that question. Yeah, that's a boogeyman. A, that's a question. whole lot, a whole <laughs> lot of unintended consequences that could occur uh, before you make that decision. But that's what the president gets the big bucks for. That's right. And that's why we elect a president to make that decision on the advi- with the advice of his advisors and people who know. Um, but I will tell you, for me, uh, we don't need a world with the Alatollah and the people, the, the thugs in Iran with a nuclear weapon. So we would have to stop that, I think. Uh, and can we? Is we, that something we that we are capable that. of doing? I think so. Uh, I think we, oh, sure, we can stop it. But the yeah. bottom line is it's, it's not in Iraq. Like I said before, the Iran is you know this, twice the size of Texas. Uh, the mountainous terrain, it's much, much different. Uh, and so um, and any, any tactician will tell you that it would be extremely tough fight if we have to go in and um but i think that we we back up i think the obama administration understood that and they just said look we'll just punt you know we'll just kick the can down the road and we'll claim success if we can delay them 10 years yeah we'll buy them off they, for 10 years yeah we'll buy them off and we'll claim we'll claim success and did that make somebody it, else did that make it worse or was it a, was it a push did it just hold everything in stasis for 10 years well it was a formal formal stasis we were in stasis for many many years 
and even in another other administrations, this was just a formal one. I see. You know, and uh, and that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I think that at some point we're going to have to come to that fork in the road where we're going to have to make that decision. And uh, and the president at the time, whoever that is, will have to make it. And it's going to be a tough one. But I don't think we uh, as Americans uh, should ever allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon. Okay, so. Am I hearing you correctly? You do not believe that we could bomb their nuclear facilities into oblivion, that we would have to send troops in probably? Almost all the time you'd have to send in troops. It's very difficult. I think uh, from, you know, I mean, I'm... um, just a, just a military guy been in 29 years but i will tell you you got to have foot, i understand boots. i'm have, an air force guy you gotta have right? boots on the ground you, you <laughs> have to have boots on the ground uh, really and truly to secure that area so that's what you'd have to do and uh there's a whole lot of planning that would have to go into that and uh, believe me there are plans i'm sure i mean i'm not privy to any of those but there are, there's always contingency plans for everything you know, there's a whole lot of staff officers. There's a lot of that's majors who sit around and think about. Around. That's what they sit right, and do all day. And a lot of people, a lot smarter than me, that sit around in D.C. and come up with, you know, plans, contingency plans for those type of things. So, like three Moabs wouldn't do it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a legitimate question. That, well, sure. I guess if it would be that easy, we probably already would have done it. Right. Right. Just to be honest. Yeah, that would not be easy with them at all. Okay. All right. A lot of earth moving going on. Iraq there. never developed a, a nuclear weapon. No. no, no, no. In fact, people say they had no weapons of mass destruction, which absolutely is wrong, to I be honest agree. with you. Uh, it's it's wrong. They had a lot of sarin gas. Well, and they Syria, had, were, where they got their chemical weapons. That's right. From. And there were a lot of places. I mean, there's still hundreds of thousands of rounds that have serum gas they're tipped with serum gas now over the years of course they've depleted out i mean there's a lot less than what they were but i'm just telling you they had because we have determined that serum gas is a weapon of mass destruction mm-hmm. so they technically did have but they didn't have the program that we initially thought that they had and when i was at CENTCOM during that time and i will just tell you that just about every intelligence organization every country around that around iraq said they did have so you know, whether you like the decision or well, not. Because the disinformation that Iraq was putting right, out they're putting it out, and then that. they got bitten in the behind as a consequence. You know, and, 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 and Saddam could have uh, eliminated all that. He could have called in a thousand inspectors and said, here's all the sites. Look to your heart's content. Right. I don't have them. But he didn't do it. No. He, no. Did. he let Baghdad Bob stand. Baghdad up. Bob. I remember him very well. Do his, do his thing. Because I, <laughs> I watched a lot of, uh, of uh, Democrat uh, spokesmen for Obama. And they must have gone to the Baghdad Bob <laughs> School of uh, speaking. I'm just saying. Anyway, if, if and, uh, tell you, I mean, the, if the listeners don't know who we're talking about, they need to go look up some old yes. CNN footage and look at Baghdad Bob when American forces were a mile outside of Baghdad, and he was saying there are no American forces anywhere near us. Does anybody remember Joe Azuzu? That's right. what Baghdad it's, it's Bob It's a Saturday Live skit. It's absolutely a Saturday Night Live skit. It was. It was right. very much You know, so. like they're walking up behind him with rifles, and he's like, no, 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 that's a parade. It's just a parade. It was hilarious. It was very good. All right, so here's Joe Biden, all right, the leader of the DNC, or leading for the DNC to give him the, the okay, the flag, the banner for the Democratic Party for president this year. And here's what he had to say about Soleimani. The question is, was the risk of assassinating him worth, or if in fact it turns out they had no evidence that there was a planned 
major attack, then it's an assassination. If there is, and we don't know yet, if there was an immediate threat that he posed and something was going to happen, then it wasn't an assassination. It's well, okay to assassinate him. That's what you know and understand, Joe. This guy is, is I, I feel sorry for, for him. I really do. I feel sorry for America if they yeah. really believe him and are going to vote there's for no him. Way, there's no way he can get, I just hope, I don't think he'll ever get the number. He can't beat Trump anyway, but still. But then you got you got Sanders, who I keep reading now, it sounds like the, the Democrats think that he's going to be the nominee. Are you hearing that too? I have not heard it, but it wouldn't. Certainly, those who support him say it. But Warren it, has fallen out of favor. Somewhere. To my surprise, and not that I liked her at all, but I had thought she was going to be the front runner, and I was wrong. You know, I was you, you want to know why I think that is because the, the people on Wall Street right got a hold of the heads of the DNC and, and said, "Do not no let dice. her get it because she'll destroy." Wall Street. Well, she she would be no worse than Bernie, though. Relative. Well, that's to true too. I disagree. Absolutely, but I, I don't know. I don't know about uh, Elizabeth Warren, other than she's taking a lot of money from them. So okay. it may be that she talks one thing and does another, like mm-hmm. the most, Indeed. like a lot of politicians. Really? really? <laughs> Absolutely. I've never seen that before. <laughs> I hadn't either. It's just a new piece of intel that I just got from Colonel. You know, what's, I, I will tell you. I will tell you a real quick story. In February of two thousand two, I was in um, Bagram Airfield in, in Afghanistan. It's my first time I met Joe Biden. Uh, he came there with a couple of guys. He was there on a special CODEL, uh, congressional delegation that came in, got briefed on some special projects there. Was he given a, a medal again to somebody? No, he gave no medal. <laughs> he gave no medal. But uh, I just remember how arrogant he was uh, really? when he came. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, of course, it may have been a one, one-time thing, but that was the first time I met him was in February 2002. I met him probably about, I, I couldn't tell you exactly, probably about a year later. When I was working in the Senate, and I knew I had some good friends working on his staff, actually. I got to know them only from working there, but very right. nice and very intelligent people. And I met him all bit very briefly. It was a perfectly pleasant interaction. But I will tell you this. You can see a difference. Just look at the old tapes or recordings between Joe Biden from 20 years ago and Joe Biden today. A big difference. You mean when he, when he first decided he wanted to be president? Well, well, no, that was 20 <laughs> that was, years that prior was not, to that. That was 88. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But no, now it's more like watching the oatmeal come out of his mouth versus <laughs> listening to the words. Should I say that? Is this thing on? Did you I just say that, say out that. Your microphone oh is gosh. hot. It is definitely Oh, my that. goodness. <laughs> All right. We got more to talk to the colonel right. about. We'll continue with this here when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yes, I'll pay you double, Robert, for staying for an extra half That's hour. Great. <laughs> and, and I think four times what you paid me when I filled in. That's right. right. That's a lot of money. You, so you just don't want to pass that up. up. Actually, what Dave pays me is uh, with uh, Thanksgiving Day meal invitations. Yes, he comes over and has Thanksgiving Indeed. at my house. And it was a great a good, one. We have a great time. Fantastic. Doing it. Yeah, we had prime ribs this year. Oh, really? It well, I get paid with your friendship and uh, and your help with the Hall of Fame. Well, really whenever you it. ask me to come do anything for the, uh, of course, the uh, uh, Hall of uh, Fame for the military here in Arkansas, I'm I'm at your disposal. We Definitely. appreciate that. Absolutely. All right. So you tell me, what, what are some things maybe that you're privy to, and it's not top secret or anything, that we need to watch about what's going on. Wow, that's a good one, Dave. I don't know what to tell you other than um, I, I would watch 
closely the rhetoric. I mean, you're going to see a lot of demonstrations, obviously, uh, in Iran. Talk um, about that. Those are not grassroots. Not Those in that are, type of system. That's like astro. You know, I, I, I would say there, I would say there's some uh, that yeah. may be truthful, but for the and they kill 1,500 of those people. <laughs> but I would say the most part, they're told to go out in the streets and do their thing. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just we know that in those type of societies that happens all the time. But um, I don't know what the future is. I don't think anybody's got a crystal ball on that. But my my gut feeling at this point, and I could be proven wrong against my personal opinion, I don't think they're going to do anything to jeopardize. You know, their ability to uh, build a nuclear bomb and, and their quest for doing that. They need us to not come after them. So I don't think you're going to see, I just don't think you're going to see anything against our country. You may see it against Israel. You may see it against one of the, some other country, but not us. That's my personal opinion. Against Israel? They don't think Israel would try to do something back? No, I'm, I'm just saying they're going to pick another country. Okay. Maybe Israel will be someplace else because they're going to try to get something for the people, for the population that they've said that we've done something. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to be able to come after us. Okay. I think Trump is pretty clear. And I think Trump right now is perceived as unpredictable when it comes to that, especially with what he, the action he took. I'm sure they did not expect that at all. And um, so we're going to, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I don't think they're going to jeopardize that because if they ever do get a nuclear weapon, I've said this five times on the show, yeah. uh, it changes the whole game. And now they're in a position of power to negotiate. Yeah. If you want to think about that, think back to India and Pakistan. Right. When they both got nuclear weapons and how that changed the whole timber of the talks over in that area. Absolutely. Because they, they do not like each other. Keep that in mind. They don't like each other. Right. You know, they they get into it. Uh, again, don't forget what Lieutenant Colonel Dakota Wood said. Iran must see the pain from attacking U.S. outweighs the perceived benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to that. do that. You, you have to make sure or they're, they're just going to keep on pushing until you finally do say stop. Well, they've been pushing for many, many, many years, and we've not done a lot uh, against them. So uh, this is this is the first action that a president has taken. I think um, again, if you go look at the eight years of Obama, what did they do? They tried to have I don't know. They taught with them, I guess. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, but you know, all they were doing again was just kicking the can down the road. If you remember, and and I think it was January two thousand sixteen, when the guys on our our uh, Navy guys, right. the boats, yeah, and they, they drifted into Iranian waters. And they took them hostage for 15 hours or so. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, John Kerry made a phone call to their defense minister and said, you know, don't do anything. And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, but, and, and, and the Obama administration held that as a success, that their new relationship with Iran um, got our guys released. That's not what got our guys released. The power to cash that arrived the the next day is what got our guys released. (laughs) Right, exactly. But um, so those are the kind of things that I think about. Remember what they did? They made our guys get on their knees and put their hands behind their head, and to demean them. And they took pictures of that in video, and they showed it all over their news uh, for for a long time. In fact, yeah, uh, prove how tough they were. Oh, right, 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 right. So absolutely. So anyway, I think this is going to change the equation just a little bit from the tone that was set. In the previous administration. Okay, we got four minutes before you have to leave us. He's got to leave at 530, so listen up. Let's take the magnifying glass from the Middle East to another place that really worries me now. Mm -hmm. And that is doing military maneuvers between 
China, and Russia. Does that worry you? Not right now. Okay. It, right, not right now, it doesn't. Um, uh, the Chinese and Russians are never going to be. Well, they got two different views. They're never going to be allies <laughs> in, in, in the traditional sense. No, I, I don't see they that. They don't trust so, each other. No, never have and never will. I mean, history has proven they've never trusted each other. I, so that, didn't, that doesn't worry me uh, that much. Um, North Korea getting a nuclear weapon worries me. You know, whether they have one, but uh, uh, I think it, I, I like Trump's approach. It's better than any other approach. But North Korea worries me uh, because of South Korea and how many people could die very quickly. Very yeah, quickly. I try to explain that to people. You got like, was it almost 30 million people in Seoul? Right, right, right. I two mean, hours away from the border. I used yeah. to drive that back and forth to the DMZ. I worked in the DMZ for I mean, two years. I mean, they don't need to use a nuclear weapon over there. That can be traditional no. missiles. Well, th- right, Rock, uh, right. Not rockets, uh, mortar, Mortars. right? Well, yeah. well, yeah, and, and it could. And you're only two hours away. Right. I mean, there's a whole lot at stake in Korea. So that bothers me. Um, a mistake is what really bothers me, that they make a mistake. Yeah. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens there. At least Moon hasn't been... He's been saying some stuff, but he hasn't done something stupid here recently. Right. He worried. I, I always worried that he'd go out kind of like what he did with South Korean ships or with the, the, his daddy with Pueblo and all of that. Right. Take an American ship. That would be the wrong move now. Yeah. We're I, beyond I, that now. Well, well, way beyond that. And I think that he does have a relationship with Trump. And I do believe that that is important. Um, and he's not motivated by. Um, you know, religious ideology. I mean, it's not. So therefore, I think there's a little difference there. But with the Mullahs, I don't think you're ever going to have that type of, that that communication. Never. Because yeah. they always want to destroy us. They always want to have a caliphate. It's a of. means for them in their minds to, to, to go to God. It's a, right. it is a religious, a religious the, uh, theology that has a very political component. Mm-hmm. They're, that's they're different than, wrapped up. Yeah. yeah, that's very different from, most other religions, most other religions do not have that. Well, Kim Jong-un just wants to stay in power. Yeah. I mean, that's right. just the bottom line. His family. His family. Yeah. Kim and Jong-un. That's what they want to do. Kim Il-sung. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So how long are you here in the area? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Well, well I, I, maybe I'll come back on. I need, you to have you, well, I need you to have you on. I love having you on. He can neither confirm nor deny no, that he's actually true. in he's, the area as we speak. I'm just telling you, Robert, whenever he's on, right. I sit and learn a whole lot. Well, thanks. I just learn a lot from him because he's... He's getting a lot of information well, that I'm not privy to. He's got boots to. on the ground. Yeah. Well, he, his boots are on the ground. That's what I'm talking <laughs> That's about. That's it. Well, Dave, I appreciate you letting me come on. And I really well, I do want you to tell it. the people the truth. All right. Absolutely. I do. That's what you watch on the, on, on the news. Not necessarily the truth. It is very skewed many times. I know that just from the years I was in the military. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you know, I just, I mean, I understand a lot of that. But thanks for uh, making the time for us, Colonel. It's always good. Anytime, Dave. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. I'll make sure that you know he's coming on because when he's here, you need to be here. By the way, if you're watching on Facebook, please share the last hour and a half with all your friends on Facebook so they'll know the information you know now from the Dave Ellswick Show. News is next. And Robert and I are coming back. I think we want to talk a little bit about this Little Rock police officer. Uh, A little bit? Yeah, we want, we want to talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Last uh, 25 minutes of the show, I wanted to end up with a local story today and, uh, and talk about it. For months now, 
there was an officer who had shot a bad guy, and there's no doubt that the guy was a bad guy, through the windshield of a car and uh, killed him. And because he shot through the windshield, uh, people said that was breaking the rules uh, of engagement, well, I guess the, is the best kind of way Relatedly, at. that he had stepped in front of the car while it was moving. Yes. And there's a rule prohibiting that, but for a different context, incidentally. It's that you can't step in front of a car for the purposes of claiming thereafter an emergency, like stepping out in the street, putting your hand up, and then when the person doesn't stop, say, what guy's trying to run me over? Well, you stepped out in the middle of a highway. Mm-hmm. So that's the rule that they were invoking here. So it's not directly applicable, frankly. In any event, to, to boil it down... He took the bad guy out. He took, he took a bad guy out with a gun. The woman in the car got... He was he chased this car because I think it was an armed robbery or something. Yeah, something. I don't have all that information right, in was, front of me right now. There was now. some uh, um, severe crime uh, that had gone down, and he, this cop, answers the call, goes out, follows his car, chases the car, finds his car, whatever it may be, gets him into a parking lot, gets up on him in a way in which some have said he positions his car such that he had to cross over. The bad guy's car, the front of the bad guy's car, which he did. Meanwhile, the woman in the car jumps out of the car, says that the driver has a gun. Uh, Then the driver starts to roll the car slowly, and the cop shoots the driver and kills the driver. So needless to say, uh, the mayor had just recently been elected. What's our mayor's name, um, Dave? Do you recall? Zach, help me out. The mayor's name. The mayor's name for here yeah, for the, a little Because he's so you it memorable. You. you know, the, 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 I, I think this kind much. of proves the point. There's three of us in this room. No, none of us can remember the mayor's name. And hopefully that'll be the case when he's not reelected. But in any event, I get ahead of myself, as I am often want to do. So the mayor apparently said, well, we need this handled. We need this taken care of immediately. I need, I need this resolved. And he's barking at the Little Rock Police Department hierarchy. Thank Scott, you, Frank yeah. Scott. Uh, and the the military, excuse me, the uh, police department, the Little Rock Police, that I really truly have a lot of admiration. I told you about this, Dave, before when my mother uh, died and they came over because they have to answer that type of call. Uh, they were extremely respectful and really did a, a, a fine job, I must say. And, I've, and I commented back then and I'll comment again. So the Little Rock cops, I have a lot of respect for. And to a person up the chain of command, they say... He did not commit a fireable offense. His shoot was justifiable, and his actions uh, were allowed him to stay on the job. His actions were not s- such that he should be fired. Then it works its way up to the chief of police, who, mind you, had just been appointed by Mayor Scott, brand new chief of police from another came in from another city. That's not a criticism; it's just a statement. I don't, I don't recall when he where he came from, but. Another sort of comparably sized city in which I think it was either the chief there or one down from the chief. And he said, he was one of these hand ringers, Dave. Oh, well, you know, it was a very difficult decision. Oh, I took pains. Oh, I, I identify with the line officer. He's a bureau hack appointed by the mayor under the mayor's thumb doing what the mayor told him to do. And he said to the cop, you're fired. 
The cop, by the way, his name is Sparks, I believe. Yeah. So he fires. Starks. Starks. Thank you. See, even that one I, I didn't get right. No, it's been a while. Oh, indeed. It's been he, an ongoing thing. He gets, so he fires him and it goes to this um, civil uh, service commission of mayoral appointees. In other words, more bureau hacks. Now, kangaroo court. Kangaroo court. It was predetermined before he walks in. By the way, guess who's the attorney for the city? Not a city attorney. They go out and spend your money, Dave. Well, actually, not yours because you don't live in Little Rock. I live in Little Rock. They spend my money on hiring a, a $12 lawyer. That's supposed to be a lot of money, by the way. They go out and spend a bunch of money on this guy wearing this $2,000 suit and $700 shoes to litigate to get this People defending cop off the streets. Can you believe it? Mm. And sure enough, in this kangaroo court, the kangaroo that jumps the highest is the mayor's. And they say, oh, well, you know, that was tragic. You stepped in front of this car. Oh, my goodness. And you shot a guy who had a gun and was on drugs. And in a stolen vehicle. Oh, is that right? Yes. Is that right? Yes. So, of course... They um, they they pull this uh, bag of uh, burning manure out of their pouch and dump it on the doorstep of Sparks Starks and his attorney, uh, who by the way his attorney is a local well known attorney who looks exactly like Santa Claus and plays Santa Claus uh, often uh, at Christmas time. In any event, they lose there and they appeal to Judge Fox. Now remember, Dave, I've appeared before Judge Fox. On several occasions, right? he's ruled in favor of me sometimes, and to be clear, he's ruled against me sometimes. And each and every time he's ruled against me, he was wrong, of course. Yeah, right? of I course. Right, I mean, I need to make that clear. Yeah, If course. I have one position and someone else has a different one position, well, then they're wrong. Now, I say that with a, with a bit of jest, but no, I believe that my positions were correct. I believe he got it wrong. And then other times he ruled with me, and I believe he got it right. I say all this to say I'm... Uh, he hasn't handed me a golden ticket. He hasn't treated me poorly. But the one thing I will uh, always say about Tim Fox, local judge here in Little Rock, is there was nothing political about his decision. He's fair. He's a fair guy. Doesn't mean he can't make a wrong decision, but he's a fair guy. He's a Democrat, by the way. There's no question about that. He's a, he's a Democrat, but he calls him the way he sees him. Meaning, you you might say, well, I, Tim, his first name's Tim, uh, uh, Judge Fox, uh, I, you saw it wrong. You got it wrong. Okay, whatever. But he's not playing games. He calls them the way he sees them. And that's an attribute, by the way, that you want in a judge. You don't want someone who's in the bag for either side. So he gets this case, and guess what he says? Correctly, uh, that guy shouldn't have been fired. No. What, are you, what are you firing that guy for? That was, you mean the guy who killed the bad guy who was on drugs with a gun, having just committed some sort of felony? Uh, no, that's okay. That guy gets his job back. Okay. But he comes in at the lowest rank he, into the police force. And he, stuff. He, he approved a demotion uh, because apparently uh, Starks, in doing these actions, didn't follow the procedure exactly correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, Starks, Starks says yep. he's going to go back to work. Starks fully intends to go back now, to work. Now, I want you to hear what Arkansas NAACP president 
and uh, a Blackshear family friend. Blackshear is the gentleman that, who was uh, killed. And I'm going to I'll say gentleman, all right, who was killed. Yeah. All yeah. right. Rizel Aaron. Okay. Who uh, is who is the former Arkansas NAACP president. Said although Charles Stark's plans to continue his career with the Little Rock Police Department, Aaron thinks uh, that he should look for another job for fear of his and others' safety. He said, and now this is from the story by KATV, Scott Carroll and Shelby Rose were the reporters who did this. So I want to give them credit uh, on this. Uh, I want to give attribution where mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. should be given. Aaron thinks that he should look for another job for fear of his and others' safety. And now this is what this guy said. Now, I want to tell you, I think this is terroristic threatening. Mm -hmm. He said, every time that he pulls one of us over, I believe he's going to be prepared to hurt one of us. And again, we have to decide whether he goes home or whether we go home. It's some dangerous uh, suggestion there. That's right. Yeah, I think that's a threat. It could be. Personally. It could be. That's a threat. That's an interesting question. Yeah. And uh, Little Rock attorney uh, Eddings, who has represented the city in the case, said in a statement last That's Thursday. That's the guy I was mentioning with the $1,200 suit and the $700 shoes. Yeah. Last Thursday said in a statement, quote, we respectfully believe the court erred, unquote. Said the city will appeal the decision and ask the court to stay its order reinstating Starks. As of uh, now, nothing has happened as far as that goes. Yeah. Look, uh, there was another statement from one of the uh, family members of the killed assailant that accusing Judge Fox of being political. He was doing this for votes. That's just nonsense. I'll tell you this, by the way, about Judge Fox. Not only does he call him the way he sees him, even if he may get them wrong, whether point being is he he has no bias going into it. In addition, he's not a political animal. I, I mean, that's a term of art, right? In other words, he's not he's not kind of one of these glad handing schmoozer types. No, he's a workaday judge who gets his job done. And uh, you can't accuse him of being political and you can't accuse him of being biased. You can say he got it wrong. That's what the the fellow who represents. The represent, attorney is saying. Right, that's what the city said. So, and that's and the city is perfectly entitled to say that. Albeit, I'm not so comfortable with the fact that they had to pay high dollar attorneys at a private law firm to do so. But they're perfectly entitled to say that uh, Judge Fox got it wrong, as I have said uh, on occasion. Judge Fox has got it wrong in the past. He got it right here. And he gets in all of his decisions, they are done in an unbiased fashion and an apolitical fashion. Those accusations against Judge Fox are wrong. And he's a Democrat because I stand up for Democrats and Republicans when they do the right thing. And Judge Fox is not a biased judge. He's not a political judge. Uh, and the, the, the accusations by that family representative were simply false. Well. Here is what the judge said in oh. his decision. Yeah, oh, in the decision. Quote, okay. If such matter were within the scope of this court's review, it would be this court's opinion that as a matter of law, based on the testimony and evidence submitted, appellant Starks did not commit 
any violations of criminal law with respect to his actions in this incident. That's for unquote. sure. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and moreover, he well, he acted in a way that, as the judge ruled, clearly did not warrant him being fired. So what does that tell us, Dave? It tells us that the mayor and his hand-picked bureaucrats on the Civil Service Commission or whatever it's and called. And the chief of police. And the chief of police. The other hand-picked bureau hack all had a political agenda. Those are the folks with the political agenda. And Judge uh, Fox's decision made the streets of Little Rock just a little bit safer today than they were yesterday. Why? Because cops on the beat know that at least one judge has their back. Has their back. And has their back in a legitimate way. Not I have your back if you do something wrong. No, no, no. Meaning I have if you do the right thing, I have your back. If you don't do the right thing, nobody's going to have your back. That's also good for safety because we don't want cops Shooting innocent people. So if I can get Starks on, you want to come on and talk with him? Absolutely. I've spoken to Starks already. We'll see if we can't get him to come on. See if he can't come on on Thursday. We can do that. All right. It's Dave Ellswick's show. We've got to get our last break in, and then we'll come back. By the way, uh, again, Rush is now calling 101.1 FM, the answer, home. You'll hear him every day here, Monday through Friday, and again on Sunday uh, from... uh, 11 to 2, Monday through Friday, and I think he's on from 3 to 6 on Sundays and for the best of Rush. So you can hear him right here all the time on uh, The Answer. Also, uh, I'm thinking about on Thursday, if you missed Colonel uh, uh, Conrad Reynolds' hour with me talking about Iran, uh, we'll replay that in the final hour of Thursday's show so you can hear it. And... If you've been watching and you can share it, share it with your friends and share it on Facebook with your friends as well. We've had over 6,000 views of the interview that we did with the governor about the refugee program Very nice. thus far. Very we're nice. Gonna, we're going to play that one more time on the Facebook sometime this week so that you'll have that in front of you. All that coming up uh, here on uh, Facebook or, uh, you know, in the future here on the uh, on one oh one one one. What now right now we're gonna take our break and then we'll be back and finish up with Robert Steinbach here on the answer. All right, let's get into the final segment here. We're looking at about seven minutes left here with Robert Steinbach and uh, it's I'm never glad, enough, Dave. Glad that you're here today. Just it's always so my you know. Pleasure. I'm just really glad that you're here. I'm going to uh work hard to get some people on from uh, the RNC to deal with all of these big stories that have just been happening. There's left a lot and of right. things happening. Well, with uh, this whole thing with uh, the uh, terrorists being killed, that's the reason I I had the uh, the, the colonel. colonel on. Sure. Okay, so he could give us some. I wanted him to tell everybody because a lot of people they hear this guy's name and Suleimani was a really 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 bad dude uh if by if you're a gold uh, star mom and your and your your loved one was killed in iraq uh by you know a, one of those ieds that were changed because the iranians came in and taught them how to make them differently and you heard the the colonel talk about how they took c4 
about the size of a coffee can full of it, put copper with a concave top on it, and when it went off, that copper turned molten, and it cut through our armored vehicles like butter. Look, the, the militias that were in Iraq wouldn't have had any clue how to do that. It was this guy, Soleimani, who came over and taught them and brought them the copper and stuff that they needed to be able to do it. He's He was responsible for hundreds of American military men and women's death. So it was a good thing that they went and got Look, this guy. I, I think to some extent, Dave, it's kind of comical to watch those on the left bemoan the killing of this terrorist. And I think you just leave them. Just keep talking, I say to the Democrats who are arguing in favor of Solomon. Just knock, knock yourself out. Uh, he's dead. That's good. We're done. You all can debate and argue yourself into oblivion. And by that, I mean political oblivion, because every time the president does something, the left takes the opposite position and they look more and more absurd each time. Can I mention a a little fact of local politics, by the way, Dave, that popped in my head uh, because I tweeted about it earlier today at uh, on my what's my handle at Rob Steinbuck and. (laughs) it's hard to remember from the four people who actually follow me. And, but in any event, you, of course we talked a lot about Dan Sullivan is challenging uh, John Cooper up there in Jonesboro uh, and Craighead County for the Senate seat, state Senate seat, of course. And somebody put out a, a Facebook post saying, Oh, I'm going to vote in the Democrat primary, the Democratic primary for John Cooper. Excuse me, the Republican primary. It's it, One might consider it a Democratic primary from the perspective of John Cooper. But some Democrat said she's going to vote because we have open primaries in the Republican primary for John Cooper because John Cooper's views align with her Democratic views. Well, that's the point now, isn't it, Dave? If I... She likely didn't realize it, but she demonstrated that John Cooper is essentially a Democrat. We had, when you were away, by the way, last week, I had Bob Ballinger on your show. Hey, good. Uh, it was terrific. Did you know that he was a wrestling uh, uh, referee? I did not know that. Is yeah, that right? Is I that saw right? something on, on Facebook about Isn't that. Isn't that funny? And I said, Bob, how did your... Stand Your Ground Bill die, and I knew John Cooper was the reason that it died, Mm -hmm. but he pointed out because a bunch of Democratic, Democratic prosecutors and sheriffs, not Republicans, Democrats, went to John Cooper, and John Cooper voted no. Capitulated. Right. And- That means surrender. Indeed. We're all confident that it'll pass in the next legislative session, but that's two years in which Arkansans- twenty-one. Right. Have diminished Second Amendment rights as a consequence of John Cooper. You can say plenty of nice things about John Cooper. But one thing that you can't say about John Cooper is that he's conservative. No, no, he's not. He's not. And he's proven it. That's right. He has proven that you can't believe what he says. That's that's really important. I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican. If he says he's going to do something because of his belief system, then you should be able to believe he will do it. Uh, He's flipped on uh, the whole thing of uh, Arkansas Works, and he flipped completely on this whole thing dealing with uh, guns. And Obamacare. 
He ran on the position yes, last time. That he would vote against it. And what did he do? First time he had a chance to vote, he voted for it. There you go. There that you says go. it all. That's it. All right, so I'll I'll see if I can't get Starks on. Okay. Need to have you on uh, during that. Happy to be on. We also get you need to get on the pro tem, and we need to get on the Speaker of the House, because when the governor was on here, he said he told them about what he was doing with the refugees, because, you know, I've been complaining that the uh, Senate and the House didn't have any clue. They They learned it all over social media for the most part. And he says, I told the heads of both of the the houses, and they didn't let their people know. Well, that tells me we need to talk to the heads of the Senate. Yeah, we need to find out what was going on. Yeah, what happened? Thanks for coming in. It's always my pleasure. Robert Steinbach right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And again, my thanks to Colonel Conrad Reynolds for joining us. Tomorrow, uh, the power panel will be here. R.D. Hopper will not. He's going to be gone. And uh, we will have a preacher in here. Uh, with us as well. Uh, you won't want to miss who it is. I'm going to keep it a secret. We listen in for the promo here on the Dave Ellswick Show. God. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.